You are now entering the world of Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Stay geeky, my friends. Everybody, this is Forty Going On Fourteen, and I am Mike. <laughs> I'm Pat. <laughs> yeah, he really is Pat this week. I'm Joel. Oh, and I'm Josh. And preparing for this show, I actually found I didn't know very much about the subject, so I spent a whole week learning the covalent radius of chromium, lead, and cadmium. <laughs> so I think you guys will be pretty satisfied with the results. <laughs> I think you're going to be rapidly disappointed once we start talking. You are retarded. <laughs> We're doing heavy metals, right? I mean, I set he set dinner plates at the periodic table. Come on. He's ready to go. Good Lord, you killed Pat. Get the soundboard, Mike. All right. So this week is heavy metal. It was suggested by um, Scott the Pool Boy? No. No. Um, <laughs> uh, that was in some, the email. Um, it was from? I don't know. You got the email. Oh, it was. That's right. No, <laughs> This is this is starting off swing. Yeah, never mind. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you should stop commenting, Brian Farrell. Yes, thank I'm you. I'm not That's talking anymore for the rest of the show. That's okay. I got this. Oh. <laughs> I'm right. being I used against gonna... myself. I don't think I like this. Yes, it is. You freak. <laughs> This is the best idea ever. Yeah, oh my God. I've, always, All right, I've so. always wanted to debate myself, so here we go. So yes, we're doing heavy metal. Yes. Brian Farrell wrote us and brought us in a suggestion, and we went around and did a draft of two old and still around bands and one new one that we listened to. We'll get to that later, but now we have email. We have one from Joe Eberino, who? who has been listening. Joe Eberino. Joe Eberino. Yes. Joe Eberino. He says a suggestion for a show is Stephen King, Ooh. mainly because he wrote a sequel to The Shining that's a lot of fun called Dr. Sleep with an old Danny Torrance dealing with his powers and the things that he has done and what he can see and also uh, that they're remaking a few of the old titles besides Carrie and he gives us a link to upcoming Stephen King movies but you know something we might be able to do come I October I like it yeah it sounds pretty going good on the board yes so that is on the list wait does this mean I have to read yes I'm out. They have cliff notes. Then we also have an email from Scott the Pool Boy. He says, hey guys, this is Scott the Pool Boy. I was just thinking I haven't emailed you yet. I've called you, but I've never emailed. Now I have. Well, thanks, Scott. Yes, thank you. For that. that. Whatever that was. Whatever that was. Ah! Ah! We also got a tweet suggesting a show concept uh, just today. Yes, it is a sweet tweet from at Wiretech Girl, who is Annalise from uh, Dark Angels and Pretty Freaks, one of the podcasts on the musings of a geek podcast network. Yes, which we are part of. Yes. She asked, have you guys covered soda? Who knew there are so many? And then she posted a link to a picture of all sorts of different varieties of soda. And I think that's a spectacular idea. I think so as well. I think I need another week of rest since I'm still get got the shakes from the cereal. Holy episode. crap, that nearly wrecked me. <laughs> and I think if she sends us a picture of herself covered in soda, that would make a fine cover for that oh, episode. Oh, Jeebus. You're trying to get stabbed by Neil. Yeah, pretty much. I, I'll, I'll get stabbed by anybody. I don't care. <laughs> You'll take it at this point. I'll take, take storm. Act at this point. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I smell a contest. Uh-oh. <laughs> what would you do to Looking stab Pat? 
<laughs> what would you do to stab a patch? <laughs> well, drive to Texas? That was like a combination of the Klondike bar and a Willy Wonka song. <laughs> <laughs> What would you All do right. to stab a hat <laughs> in the air or wearing a hat? <laughs> I don't know where I'm... So if you'd like to add to this train wreck, <laughs> please, oh, uh, you can send us email at 40go14 at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook. We're on Twitter at 40go14. And you can give us a phone call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. And screw you guys. I have it on my computer monitor on a post-it <laughs> note now. <laughs> so... He's not falling not for happening. that again. Quick, go into you the house and me. move that posting. I'm not falling for no banana in the tailpipe. Is that code? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, he wants a banana in his tailpipe. Yes, we've established this. He'd like to establish <laughs> okay, so, Hey, transition. Neil, get on that. This week in music, movies, and TV. You all right there, Pat? Nope. <laughs> Alrighty then. California and Nevada killed me. I just the allergies are just driving me crazy. I can't wait to get back acclimated to this weather. Back acclimated? Back to being back. acclimated. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. where I'm not yeah, stuffy back- headed and, and full He wants to be backlimated. Yeah. I agree with you. Thank yes. you. I was back hoping. in his room. <laughs> back in his room is Texas where the air is half lava and half weed. You're damn right. I will take it. <laughs> all right. So the, the weed, year Patrick... strangely enough, doesn't make me cough. In the tail pipe 1988 <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to make Joel feel bad that doesn't work anymore Patrick chose 1988 for the year that and justice for all was released one of the greatest metal albums of all time <laughs> yes shut up don't you disagree with me <laughs> I don't think he's disagreeing with you I think he's having a stroke or a bowel movement that sounds different actually <laughs> music the number one song is and he put a YouTube link <laughs> what the hell <laughs> <laughs> That's clever. You shithead. You Are you rolled. Uh, no, you can't be. You can't be Rickrolled if you're aiming for never going to let you down. That's you not Rickrolled. So there you go. Nobody I was expects the Spanish Inquisition. So the number well, one I, song is "Never Going to Give You Up" by Rick Astley. That, uh, is that which, true? Yes. We're going to take his word for it. I guess. We should take my word for it every week. I could, you know. Why do we have to take his word for it? We did a show on the specific topic of what the top ten songs were in 1988. If you guys recall, like 20 oh, episodes. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So there you go. Okay. So also. On July 5th, Slayer releases South of Heaven. That was the only metal-related thing I could find. Is that like East of Africa? <laughs> no. East of Eden. East of Eden, yes. Or West of Baltimore. That's where In West was. Philadelphia, born and raised. <laughs> On the playground is where I spent most of my days. Movies. Uh. <laughs> coming coming to America is the number one movie in the land, which is a hilarious. I movie. love that movie so much. The royal penis is clean. <laughs> the entire barbershop scene. Oh, makes yeah. The whole worth Joe it. Lewis, 137 years old. It's not yeah, funny out of context. Yes, it is, because you know what I'm saying. I have no if idea. You haven't seen the movie, you know, anyway. I've seen it once. You have you only seen it once? Only once? Only once, yeah. I used, I used to belong to a uh, basketball team in a basketball league that was our, our team name was sexual chocolate and they wouldn't when they when they put the, like the bulletins up in the newsletter and everything and the schedules and the tournament brackets and all that stuff they wouldn't put sexual chocolate they would only call us chocolate <laughs> what yeah because we're so it's almost more offensive because they so cool. offensive though we only put chocolate right. but our jerseys all big old sexual chocolate on them nice 
Yeah, we won the championship too, so he had to acknowledge us. Very cool. Uh, 1988 Writers Guild of America strike, which ran from March to August. Oof, March 7th to August 7th, 1988, and affected production of movies and TV shows. At 155 days, it remains the longest strike in the Guild's history, and Cosby Show is still number one. Of course. Oh, yeah, that's why they had like seven grandpas who were all jazz musicians, because the writers were on strike. Yes. No one was keeping track of that stuff. <laughs> that would be the continuity people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were on strike. Too. Yeah, every guild was on strike. Remember that was when reality shows really the took guild. hold. <laughs> the Bards <laughs> Guild. The yes. Bards Guild. <laughs> All right, sports. You get somebody to laugh. I figured it. I fast. liked it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Terry Joe Myers is the last winner of the Mayflower Classic, an LPGA tournament played in Indiana, and Myers suffered from inter... inter I thought that was intestinal. Interstitial? Inter, interstitial cystitis? Cystitis. You're the medical guy. You read that. <laughs> That's why I was trying to help you. <laughs> Throughout her career, she had something wrong with yeah, her. Yeah, interstitial cystitis. Yes. Okay. So an inflammation of cyst, a cyst in the interstitial. Intestine. I don't know where the interstitial is. I think it's near Texas. <laughs> Isn't it, Pat? No. Okay. Because it's a, whole, it other, you. It's a whole other country. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you're stupid. Uh, okay, so and miscellaneous, the first reported medical waste on the beaches of the greater New York area, including hypodermic needles and syringes, possibly infected with the AIDS virus, washes ashore on Long Island. Subsequent medical waste discoveries on the beaches of Coney Island, Brooklyn, and Monmouth County. New Jersey forced the closures of numerous New York area beaches in the middle of one of the hottest summers on record in the American Northeast. Yeah. Now, that just reminds me of uh, news talking about the uh, upcoming Olympics in Brazil. Uh, this is a true story. I'm, I'm not playing this for a joke about their soccer World Cup, whatever. They have to move the sailing events from the lake they were going to put them in because they've said that they can't make the lake safe for people to sail in. Problems in the lake include garbage and dead human and animal bodies. Oh, so it's just like Jersey. Pretty much, yeah. Well, in Jersey, they say we'll put the cement shoes on them to let them sink. (laughs) Wow. Nice. So, yeah, that's a thing. (laughs) That's nasty. All my fears have just been realized. (laughs) You got to get a better list. No, I mean that there's dead bodies at the at the bottom of a lake, and that's why I don't swim in it if I can't see the bottom. Yeah, if you're in Brazil, that's actually probably literally true. Exactly. That's why I'm not I going there swimming. I don't swim in in water I can't see the bottom of. Not because I'm afraid of bodies. It's because I'm afraid of anything that I can't see. <laughs> like I don't know what's in the ocean, so I'm not going in there. It's the chuds, isn't it, Pat? It could be. We don't know <laughs> what the hell is in the ocean. Water. And like giant creatures that are eating like twenty foot sharks and shit. Yeah, the ocean is crazy. I, I'm staying out of that shit. Pat Tell me more. a lot of the sci-fi channel movies. No, I don't. I a- read is what it's, it's called reading. Pat, Aliens. Pat reads a lot of the transcripts of the sci-fi movies on Sci-Fi <laughs> Network. <laughs> Mega Piranha versus Ultra Croc. Yeah. As written I'm not by... Saying, I'm, 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 be in the I'm not saying like flying Mega Piranha shit. I'm just saying, like, you know, we don't know what the hell's going on down there. We, I mean, 70% of the ocean is still unexplored. <laughs> Look, I'm not saying it's Godzilla, but... <laughs> It's Godzilla. <laughs> Fuck, there could be fucking uh, mermaids for all we know. We don't fucking know what's down there. More Until water. We get down there with cameras. We don't know what the hell's down there. Talk to James Cameron. He's working on it. Yeah, I know he is. So, gentlemen, we ready for a one-way ticket to midnight? Want it? Call in heavy metal. I like that segue. That was good. It sounded like Elmo. <laughs> <laughs> good. You got what I was going for. Did you guys ever see that Elmo sings uh, uh, 
He said, uh, "Body hit the floor." Rage against the machine. No, no. I know. But Drowning I know. pool. Elmo. The guy did Elmo singing. That uh, he did it live uh, for karaoke. Oh, seriously? That body, yeah, he. Let the bodies hit the floor. Let oh. the bodies hit the floor. And it gets really annoying after about three minutes, but the first like thirty seconds, it's funny. See, yeah. I thought you were just making a joke, so I tried to. No, that was that was honestly what I was trying to do. Funny. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, moving on. So, what are we defining as heavy metal? And uh, we should say for people who haven't necessarily been listening for many, many months that we are leaving hair metal out of this because we've actually already covered this in a previous episode. So if you're interested in the full picture, maybe after you listen to this one, you go back and find our hair metal show. Yeah. Yeah, because there is a definite... That was actually a conversation that came up at the dinner table when I was talking about the show was what's the difference between hair metal, heavy metal, and just regular rock. And it... I think it's the guitars that you hear the difference in. It's the way the guitars are played. I think drums, a, too, are, are very important. Lyrics. Oh, yeah, you got to have all those things. Because, yeah, the imagery <laughs> of the lyrics and, yeah. you know, is, is very important as well. Because, yeah. Well, hair metal was a lot about love and ballads and partying. Metal is about rebellion and anarchy and the devil yeah. and death. Yeah, and drinking and all kinds of things. Heavier, darker themes. Yes. Well, and even in the same same band, the heavier, darker, just like music. Yes. You notice that it almost it seems like the Joel, you're the musician of this. I don't because I, I don't know how to put this. I'm listening to like I listen to some Poison, and then I listen to some Metallica, I listen to some other heavy metal bands. Just the chords and the deeper is the best way I can put it. So they're like, you know, it's, like, like the, and it's, it's more it's more brooding. A drop like, tuning or a minor key or something. Yeah, I guess that because I mean I I know absolutely nothing about music right. it just seemed like when i was listening to like talk dirty to me the guitars are higher up you get the lighter tones you get the faster you get these fast peppy i guess notes coming <laughs> off the guitars yeah. is that i mean because especially talk dirty to me that one's like that whole opening riff but then you put on like metallica and say enter sandman right enter sandman i mean just immediately drops you down i mean like the music before even a word is said yeah yeah it's it's all about the beat and the distortion and you know they just yeah, they, it's definitely a different uh, vibe. And that's definitely the like default, what you would expect most of an album to be. Because you'll also have one or two power ballads or slower songs or something like that on a typical heavy metal record. Yeah, but I mean, I think the most important thing, I mean, besides the driving drum beat of, of heavy metal, it's just basically like the interplay between the lead guitar and the bass player. You know, I mean, because those guys working off each other along with the beat of the drum. You know, I mean, that's pretty much what it's all about in the lyrics to me <laughs> can't you see oh you are so beautiful to me pat thank you all right so we drafted uh two old bands i'm just gonna keep moving on past yeah. the smoldering keep. wreckage of the show all right so yeah so what we did is we drafted two older bands that we listened to and then we drafted one new band that either we currently listen to or thought sounded cool in my case so should we just start up guys yeah let's start up guys okay patrick tell me about guys <laughs> and dolls uh okay so what oh, am I just bar- you just made the show not metal <laughs> and i'm not sure Defront. about these his first pick anyway what okay about being metal like, we can argue that all day though kiss yeah we can yeah kiss you think kiss is not metal no i i don't know what he's smoking dude kiss i would is put metal. i would put kiss in hair metal and or the fringe of rock and roll okay yeah you could make a case for kiss crossing over into hair metal but they've clearly got songs they're more, they're about more arena rock than they, they are yes. hair metal okay that's fair but arena rock is 
an extension of hair metal or vice versa? Because I, I think they're like a, a blend of arena rock and, and heavy metal, honestly, because they, they are definitely very heavy in some of their songs, but they do take some of their songs a little more towards the uh, rock slash pop, like, you know, like their ballads, like everybody has their ballads. You know? Like Beth. Yeah. Or forever. And if anything, they're just looking at them is metal. Exactly. I mean, you cannot deny that their image is definitely very metal. Or can you? Or I think, will you? And well, no, no I mean, I'm not, honestly, I'm I'm, 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 I'm ba- no, I'm, I'm backing you up. I know you are. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. We're trying to convince Joel. Well, I just want to know, that, I mean, do, do you at least agree that their image is metal? Or are no, you going to say that's glam rock? Yes. Yeah, I knew that's weird. You are so full of shit. Nope. <laughs> I, I'm not. I, they, don't, seen, they don't okay. spit blood and fire in glam rock. Apparently you haven't been seeing the glam rock shows I have. Well, are you sure you were at the right place? I think so. Because, okay. It's called the Velvet uh, you Spike. Think... <laughs> okay. I Go think it was, it was almost that time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think some repressed memories are coming back for Joel right now. No, just go, okay, go you move can't, forward. Okay, let's see. You take okay. You say mm-hmm. Kiss is glam rock, and then you say that they're they're in the same genre as David Bowie, Rick Derringer, yeah. Gary Glitter. Nah, yeah. Come on, Joel, back that up. Okay, well, at, at least to like try and help Joel out a little bit. If all you saw was Peter Chris's makeup, maybe you would think so because he has that little cat thing going. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you got a, you got a point. But what, yeah, and what are their songs it, about? He's, he never did it. Peter Chris only did one solo album in his life, and that was part of Kisses. Sure. So yeah, what, anyway. Well, that's not true. But the the he had other ones after that, but not solo. Yeah, did he, he did. He, he turned into he's he's a he's an easy listening light jazz. Oh God, guy. that's horrible. it's awful. It's I awful. Yeah, yeah his solo album was the start of it, and it just got worse. Oof. But I mean, and then look at the lyrics of the songs. I want to rock and roll all night, party all day. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, and, okay, yeah, going lyrically. I will admit that their lyrics are not very heavy metal because there's you know, there's not a whole lot of imagery. It's all about partying. That is very true. Uh huh. I'll give or, you that. Or it's you that about trick. you know how Detroit is a rock city. Yeah, because oh, because you could uh, party there. That's and, and how many <laughs> times has until way later in the career did your your second choice, which is is closer, uh, you know, sing a ballad that's like really super sweet ballad? Okay, I'd say for the work. radio songs, Joel's probably right, but you still got like Psycho Circus, you still got Black Diamond, Creatures of the Night, War Machine, Hell or Hallelujah. Shock me hotter than hell. There there are a lot of, yeah. There's a lot of heavy metal songs that Kiss did. Room service, a horrible song. I just wanted to throw it out. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I mean, granted, you still have the like Shandy, shout it out loud, uh, Detroit Rock City, that kind of stuff, which is lick it up. Those are definitely more arena rock. But to say their entire catalog is represented by what you'll find on the oldie station is not quite fair to Kiss. Exactly. I would would say. That. I, I because, still hold my because belief. the power the power of Kiss honestly and is there is their live show on I mean Kiss their studio stuff is never going to be as good as their live stuff and their albums are just never going to be as good as seeing them live it's just you know I mean they're all about the live show because and Ace Freely and I mean uh, Paul Stanley I'm sorry not Ace Freely Paul Stanley is a master at just feeding off of the crowd's energy and building them up and building the band up and making the whole show and I mean he's just he's a great front man oh I don't doubt that uh, I don't disagree with that at all see Patrick okay. I'm looking at this right now. I'm looking at pictures of Kiss. Paul Stanley, Star Child, mm-hmm. really looks like he could be Ziggy Stardust's cousin. I don't. Yeah, yeah I don't necessarily. I, I, I'm looking at these. I'm like. I, I mean, I can't say that they're not. There's not an element of glam rock to them because they're Peter Chris had cat whiskers. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, they're. I definitely think they're much more heavy metal than anything. I, I'm, and I'm also basing it kind of on the what we kind of laid out as the guidelines. But again, right. I, so that's, therefore, I can't. I can't disagree with you. 
you in some of that because they do, like like I said, lyrically, they don't really apply to what we just said. So, But that's my opinion. You know, I'll admit, I, I'll, I'll admit oh, they're no. not on firm ground saying that they're heavy metal. I'm not on firm ground, but I still think, it, you know, but, I'm not on quicksand either. Sure. No, but on image, image wise, they've got the leather, they've got the spikes, they've got, you know, the flames, the demonic imagery, they've, they've got all that got the going. Parent, the parental hatred necessary. Oh, yeah. But if you put them up against Gwar with a similar stick. Well, it'll be a little bit easier because now there's one less Gwarite. Uh-huh. Okay, so if when the Grammys <laughs> came along and Metallica lost, instead of losing to Jethro Tull, they had lost to Kiss, would you have been as outraged? No. Okay. I rest no, my... the not, Grammys suck. Because... I because, rest my case. Yeah, one, the, one, the Grammys suck, and two, Kiss might actually have been like, yeah, hell yeah, we're metal. In the meantime, Jethro Tull was like, wait, what now? Yeah, yeah. even they were surprised. They're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> right. Have you heard our stuff? He, he ends up there holding the statue going, yeah, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> I, I think you guys flute. may have us mistaken for somebody else. I'm the Ron Burgundy of rock. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so Kiss, moving on. I'm going to go ahead and talk about them anyway. You can just go ahead and turn your mic off, Joel, or go away for like 10 minutes. I'm going to turn mic on while you're doing that. (laughs) So uh, the two main guys in Kiss that have been there from the beginning until now are Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley. And I'm pretty sure most people are familiar with both of them. Um, Paul Stanley is the lead singer and rhythm guitarist. Gene Simmons is, uh, I would say, probably second to Paul Simon, or Paul Simon, Paul McCartney. (laughs) Now he is metal. I was going to say second to Paul McCartney. McCartney, the, the most famous Wait, bass what? player in the world. Oh, Paul McC- famous bass player. Yeah, because okay. yeah, you know, the bass player is usually never the most popular guy in the band, as unless Joel will tell you. <laughs> unless you're Getty Lee. Right. So, yeah, maybe, I don't know, because Gene Simmons is probably still, I would say, the, the, the number two most known bass player to Paul McCartney. So, yeah, it started off with the two of them. They um, were actually just a couple of New York Jewish kids who wanted to do some rock and roll, and they put out ads in the papers and ended up hiring Peter Chris and Ace Freely. And they were just kind of like a instant success. They decided to go with like the whole the whole um, Alice Cooper direction, and they you know painted their faces up and everything. And interesting side note, by the way, about the face paint is the all four of these designs belong to both Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley, so they could put anybody they want in those makeups every time they replace somebody. Like, Peter Chris can't sue because somebody else is wearing his makeup. Huh, yeah, that's awesome. interesting. Yeah. So anyway, so um, they formed and kind of started doing some shows and got a lot of traction in New York and got a lot of popularity, and within a year, they were signed to a label, had an agent, had an album out, and within two years, they were going gold already. <laughs> I mean, they just kind of instantly just, just hit it off, and um, they, put out, they put out an album you know, and they put out. They were the, one of the first ones ever to put out a power ballad. You know, Beth. I'm sure everybody's heard of that one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One of their most popular songs ever. Um, and that kind of started the whole power ballad. You know, a rock band putting out a real soft song for all the ladies to love and stuff. All the single ladies. Exactly. So yeah. Um, fast forward to 1978. They've put out a couple different albums and had a lot of success and everything. And they decide the next step is they're going to do something cool. And all of all four of them release a solo album at the same time, the same day, and everything. And they did all right and everything. But, you know, um, as everybody knows, you know, some of them, a couple of them kind of sucked. Gene Simmons record did the best out of all of them, which kind of uh, pissed off um, Ace Freely because Ace Freely always had a problem thinking that he wasn't making as much money as he should have been making because he wasn't one of the two founders. Sure. So so uh, Peter Chris and Ace Freely over time ended up leaving the band, getting replaced by guys. Uh, Eric Carr came in uh, as the drummer for a while. Uh, Mark St. Tom, all kinds of Vinnie Vincent, all kinds of guys who were kind of rotating through. And they were still very successful. 
successful and everything. Um, but they, their numbers started dropping over time, as naturally you know it does. And and then they decided to reunite all the original four, and it kind of sparked up. Well, actually, I'm sorry, I, I got a little ahead of myself. I'm t- um, there was a period when right after when they start when their numbers started dropping, and they decided to take the makeup off. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, I remember that. Yeah, and it, it, they they got a lot of press because you know they had literally never ever been seen in public without their makeup. That was they were very very careful about never even being you know coming off the tour bus without their makeup on or anything. So they'd never been seen. So they released the album Lick It Up, which was the first time that you know any of them had been seen without makeup, and everybody was just like, "Why does Gene Simmons look like he's a Mediterranean Jew?" Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh oh! Apparently, Gene Simmons got upset. He does own everything. <laughs> you know, we're just after the the novelty of no makeup wore off, and they just became another band out there. They decided that. Yeah. Oh, he just disappeared for back. a few seconds there. Oh, You're back though. Oh, Keep going. What happened? What? Did... I think Gene Simmons oh. silenced you for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize, Gene. Didn't mean to call you a Jew. It's all right, Pat. <laughs> So I said, yeah. So they. So after after a while, after the novelty of them not wearing makeup kind of wore off, and they just kind of blended into the scenery with all the other you know metal bands. Well, Ace Freely and Peter Chris came back, joined the band again. They started you know wearing the makeup again and had a whole reunion tour in 1996. International tour. They made it just a gazillion dollars. It's like one of the most successful tours in decades of any band. And then, and then they released an album, and everybody was kind of like, and that album was called Psycho Circus, and everybody was kind of like, that album stinks. So we're Saw you. (laughs) So are we pretty much up to the dividing point between like then and where are we now with Psycho Circus? You figure pretty much, yeah. Because that was that was when 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 Psycho Circus didn't do well. uh, Peter Chris left the band again, saying he wasn't making enough money again. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, so that that would that would take us up to the where are they now kind of. Peter Chris is kind of a crybaby. We're learning. Yeah. Are we shocked? (laughs) I mean, you know, he's like he's probably making. Tons of money still, and probably like you know, getting plenty of tail if he wants it. So ah, that's funny because he's a cat. Yeah, see. I mean, <laughs> apparently it was it was Ace Freely and Peter Chris both complaining that they weren't making en- enough because you know the other two guys. You know, it's kind of like when you you know when you're in a band and you're the songwriter and you you're gonna make more money than everybody else. Well, because, sure. You know, and so it was it was kind. Of, you guys ever seen that movie Rockstar with Mark Wahlberg? I have. Yeah, it was almost like a, a smaller version of that where Gene Simmons and um. Paul Stanley were both like, yeah, uh, we're the guys that created this band, and we write the songs, and you guys can all just shut up. <laughs> and, we're and, Barry Manilow, and, and you're not. Yeah, but they've kind of buried the hatchet and everything, and you know, and that, that comes up in the where are they now bit. Do I do that now, or are we doing that later? No, no we're later. doing that in the second half of the show. Okay, all right. So that's Kiss. Then up to up to about two, the year 2000. Does anyone have any Kiss stories? Because I do. Like about the song by Prince? Uh, no, just about the band. Oh. No, before you do that, I would just say like since we're ending at 2000, that actually is a good stop because the year. Uh, in spring of 2000, they said that they would be launching a, their farewell tour in the summer. So that would in 2000 was their quote unquote farewell tour. So that would be perfect for the where are they now? Because spoiler alert, it wasn't. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> Not. Uh, my fondest memory of Kiss was the year that they were playing in Indianapolis the same time as Gen Con, and uh, uh, by happenstance, I ended up on the streets of Indianapolis, or maybe this was even uh, one of the Milwaukee years. But the uh, Kiss Con. Concert and the vampire LARP let out at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so awesome because both the guys in the kiss makeup and the people in the vampire makeup are walking down the street, kind of looking at each other, like what's up with this freak, <laughs> but knowing that they can't say anything. So they're just kind of walking next to each other. Like, okay, I guess you're cool. We're going this yeah. way. That's funny. Yeah. 
I, that must not have been when I uh, one of that must have been one of the years I missed because I don't remember that at all. That's uh, it, it's funny. So that's my only Kiss story. I, I like the band, but I've never seen them live. I don't dislike the band. I've never seen them live either. I think if you guys saw them live, you would appreciate them so much more because the show is just. They're, they're, I mean, it's one of the best shows I've ever seen. It just oh, so, so you have seen them live? Yes. Yeah. Nice. It's oh, it's cool. it's so much. It's all about the showmanship with them. I mean, it, it's a, just a great show. All right, Josh. All right. Uh, for my well, it it was gonna be my first pick, but then it was retroactively my second pick because of confusion about when the draft started. I chose Ozzy Osbourne, which we agreed as a group pretty much has to be packaged with Black Sabbath because yes. there isn't enough left over uh, if someone else wanted to take Sabbath. Once you're talking about Ozzy, and uh, Ozzy was pretty much all I listened to from I don't know about 1983 to 1987 it was before I'd really discovered Metallica before I'd really I think I might have had Master of Puppets I might have had one Slayer album one Anthrax album but I'd say literally 90% of what I listened to was Ozzy Osbourne wow uh, Ozzy Osbourne got his uh, start in Black Sabbath uh, English rock band formed in 69 in Birmingham um, uh, started actually by the main songwriter and uh, lead guitarist Tony Iommi and his bassist and lyricist Geezer Butler. Uh, singer Ozzy Osbourne and drummer Bill Ward uh, rounded out the band, uh, did a whole lot of stuff with like horror lyrics, occult themes. Um, they started actually as a blues band uh, that was named Earth the year hmm. before in 1968. Hmm. But uh, that the whole Earth blues thing didn't work for them, so they took on the name Black Sabbath and went for horror heavy metal. A natural progression. Oh, absolutely. Um, they did a lot of songs that had not just the like the monster themes, the devil themes, all that sort of stuff. They got into like social commentary, uh, political corruption, war, drug abuse, apocalypse, all that kind of stuff. And then they had a problem. Their problem was named Ozzy Osbourne. As, as, as ever. <laughs> the problem with Ozzy Osbourne is that he was constantly drunk and high out of his mind. Uh, his regular uh, drug and alcohol abuse led to them having to fire him and replace him with Ronnie James Dio. Which is not a bad trade-off. No, not well, terrible. Well, I mean, I'm glad no. he got brought up because I wanted to honorably mention him. So excellent. So, but before that, uh, big releases. We're talking self-titled in 1970, Paranoid, also in 1970, and Master of Reality in 71. Um, MTV called them the greatest metal band of all time, uh, and mm. they were placed second in VH1's Hard Rock list, like 100 greatest artists. Hmm. I don't. Well, greatest of all time. Have they ever heard of In Living Color? <laughs> <laughs> or, or Living Color. Damn it, I screwed I was it up. Like, Never mind. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We heard about the Shit. TV show? Yeah. Uh, not, I, I realized what I said as soon as I said it. Let me show you something. Look at where... <laughs> you better delete that, Mike. Hey, homie, don't play that. Look, I mean, look at... the. Oh. Look you at where they that, place. Look at where they fit into the the picture of what we're talking about. I mean, they are kind of the the at the foundation of all of the heavy metal. I mean, without Black Sabbath, there wouldn't be a lot of the heavy metal we have today, in my opinion. So yes. I think they deserve that spot. I do too. I just was trying to make a stupid joke that didn't even work. So what a waste of time. I, I see what you did there. Yeah. All right. So Ozzy, having finally had to depart from Geezer Butler, who he had uh, worked with since '67, uh, they were both in a band called Rare Breed together. Ozzy's kicked.
kicked out of the band, launches a solo career. Uh, that kind of worked out for Ozzy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> in 78, uh, he decided to launch a solo project that he just called Blizzard of Oz, uh, a name which his father suggested. Uh, he grabbed three members of the band Necromandus, who were support artists uh, for Sabbath in Birmingham back when they were still called Earth. And they were studio artists uh, for Ozzy. Uh, they were the first incarnation of the band behind Ozzy Osbourne as a solo artist. Did so, that Randy Rhodes at that point? No, not at this point. No. Uh, he, he actually rejoined Sabbath, and then he, he continued to do the, like, I'm in Sabbath for a while. I'm kicked out of Sabbath. Let's see. The Blizzard of Oz band is... Oh, no, I was incorrect. It is uh, Rob Paisley, Lee... I'm having a hard time, but Randy Rhodes was in the Blizzard of Oz band. Oh, nice. Cool. That was wrong. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, Day- Bob Daisley. Just having a hell of a time seeing the, the text on the picture. is really, really small. But uh, anyway, after leaving Sabbath for good, uh, which was pretty rough because the uh, geezer butler basically broke Ozzy's jaw. I knocked him, knocked him straight out. Wow. Uh, and he left. He immediately got signed on to Jet Records. Uh, and uh, Don Arden, who is the, I believe he's the owner of Jet Records, uh, dispatched his daughter Sharon to L.A. to look after Ozzy, figure out whatever he needed and take care of him. And, Sharon! Uh, yeah, that worked that out. That worked out. Yeah. <laughs> marrying her. Um, here we go. This is when the official band, Blizzard of Oz, not studio uh, musicians, this was the confusion. We've got Bob Daisley, Don Airy, Randy Rhodes, who came from Quiet Riot. Uh, and they performed with uh, Osborne through Diary of a Madman, which was also co-written by Daisley. Uh, that album's known for uh, Over the Mountain and Flying High again, mostly. And then tragedy struck in uh, 1982 while Randy Rhodes was in Florida, when Randy Rhodes was killed when a small plane crashed into the band's tour bus. Do you guys know the story behind that? What was going on? Oh yeah, it was a prank. It was like yeah. I think uh, they were just joyriding, basically, and trying to and trying to buzz the bus and you know and get as close as they could to scare everybody. And on like the fourth pass, the they plane? just clipped it with their tire and went barreling right into the farmhouse. Yeah, the bus uh, bus people were fine. Rhodes was actually in the plane. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it, it clipped the bus I and like like took off like the back third, but nobody. There was very few people in the bus at the time, and they didn't get injured. But yeah, the between the house and the the pilot and Randy Rhodes and I think a couple roadies were in the plane yeah yeah the nor- their normal tour bus driver was actually piloting the plane he died the band's hairdresser that, yes, died yeah cause, yeah because that's right because they they were there and they saw the plane and he mentioned that he could he could fly that plane and it started a whole like you know double dare kind of bullshit thing and yeah that's right so yeah they uh had to scramble to find a new guitarist to complete the tour and uh later uh they had to do a tribute well they decided to do a tribute album which was a tribute to all of the songs that wrote was known for playing guitar on which incidentally is probably my personal favorite i bet they didn't play flying high again <laughs> oh god <laughs> holy crap so in 81 you got uh speak of the devil uh 82 uh osborne appeared on the lead vocalist of was not was uh, <laughs> what yeah are you serious I, there was a dance track called shake your head let's go to bed with ozzy as lead vocals and Madonna as a backup singer. What? 
<laughs> for, for everybody walked a dinosaur, those guys? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. How does that happen? Well, you know what it was, is that Ozzy woke up. He was in the studio when they came in and started recording. <laughs> and he just thought nothing had changed. He just got up and started singing. They, they thought he was just the guy on the couch, you know, and they started wow. up, but he's Ozzy. He's like, hey, you want to sing? He's like, oh, Sharon. <laughs> All right. So in 83, records Bark of the Moon. 86, The Ultimate Sin. Um, and then, uh, he parts ways with Jake E. Lee, a longtime collaborator in 1987. Uh, and this is about the time where he starts to devour himself with chemical dependency. Uh, it's five years after Randy Rhodes has died. Now is when he actually releases the tribute album and things kind of go bad. Uh, the only notable thing for in these couple of years that's actually new is the duet with Alita Ford, Close My Eyes Forever, which was a number eight on the Billboard Hot 100. I love that song. Mm. So uh, th- then we get to hit a kind of mini comeback a couple of years later with uh, No More Tears and Mama, I'm Coming Home. And that, well, that's kind of uh, the end of the then for Ozzy. And I don't know what you guys' history with Ozzy Osbourne is, but uh, Bark of the Moon... I think was my first heavy metal album, and I eventually got all of them. But I probably listened to Tribute more than any other. I, I remember my sister had a LP of um, Diary of a Madman, and one day I snuck into her room and grabbed it and listened to it, and I was pretty much hooked ever since then. Yeah, I think Bark at the Moon is where I started with Ozzy. I mean, um, Tribute, of course, was good, but I, I really, really, really got into when he released... Um, uh, crap, now I can't think of the name. The album that had... Um, Mr. Shake Crow- your head, let's go Not to Mr. bed. Crowley. Oh, oh <laughs> shut up. That, that had, uh, God bless America. The, one of the newer albums. What well, kind of his comeback? Well, you can just yeah, go. Exactly, Pat. Thank you. Shut your face hole. If that thing ever develops AI, we're in trouble. <laughs> No, you have not. to develop AI first. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, brutal! I'm the same guy in my computer. What? No more tears. Oh. When no, that was the one that I really we listened to the crap out of in high school, like constantly. Um, and that's still one of my favorites. Just the Zach Wild era. Like I know Zach's still part of it, but that's a great album and the one that I think is probably my favorite for Ozzy. I've already told my Joel. favorite Ozzy show in a, in, a, in our hair metal show, or my, my favorite Ozzy story. I'm sorry, in our hair metal show, the one about the ants on the on the ground at the oh, rest of the, yeah so i don't have any, any i can't i don't have anything that can top that story for ozzy if you want to hear that story listen to the hair metal show <laughs> sponsored by real cream aquanet yes thank you that was better <laughs> than mine all right joel yes sir so uh my first pick which i don't know if it's appropriate to do now or after metallica but i guess it's a, it'll tie into metallica later but my first pick was megadeth and for me pound for pound when i was first started listening to metal megadeth was one of my favorites um and one of the very first songs i learned on bass guitar was uh dawn patrol off of the uh rust in peace album and then followed up by peace cells but who's buying Great stuff. Uh, Amazing band. Dave Mustaine, great vocalist, uh, formed in 1983 by Dave Mustaine and bassist Dave Elson. Um, This was shortly after Mustaine was dismissed from Metallica. Um, I don't know if you're a fan of Megadeth, you're probably already aware of that. That's not big news, but some people uh, was a bit of a shocker. And I didn't realize this when I first started listening to Metallica and Megadeth that they were linked at all until I saw um, the liner notes for um, Kill 'Em All. And I was like, wait a minute, wait, they're like, what? And I was confused. And uh, it was kind of cool. 
It was like one of those first things where like one leads into the other. But anyway, um, he was the he was a lead guitarist for Metallica when the group formed in 1981. Um, he was dismissed over substance abuse and personal conflicts with the members, primarily James Hetfield and Liz, Lars Ulrich, who nobody likes Lars Ulrich anymore. And James Hetfield, people just feel sorry for. Um, but he's considered one of the pioneers of the American thrash metal scene. I, I, I beg to differ with that label for them, but, um, it's, he's, Megadeth is credited as being one of the genre's big four, which would include Anthrax, Metallica, and Slayer, which I would put Slayer probably kind of in that category. Um, I, I don't know. Thrash metal to me seems a little more heavier and faster, but, um, apparently yeah. they're counted as being uh, responsible for the development and popularization of the genre or subgenre of metal. Um, I would put other bands in there like Napalm Death or Obituary or, you know, something that's a bit more in your face because Megadeth is far too lyrical and, and there's a, there's a verse chorus verse in most cases, there's a hook, there's, you know, there's a standard progression of a song where you remember it, you sing, you can sing along with it. But if you put on some of these other bands, you may not have that same thing. But anyway, um, they are very technical. Dave Mustaine is a very technical guitar player. I mean, I, I would put him more on that side than on the more uh, the emotional bass, like a Stevie Ray Vaughan. Um, he's very fast, very complex arrangements. Um, they talk about in the music a lot: uh, death, war, politics, religion, um, and you know, it's it's very much what, in my opinion, what metal is all about. I mean, if you're going to talk about somebody who's kind of on that in metal, Megadeth has kind of taken that ball and ran with it after you know the the groundwork was laid by people like Black Sabbath. Um, their first album was released in 1985 on Combat Records. Um, <laughs> they kind of went with Combat Records because they provided them with the most support and gave them $8,000 to record and produce the debut album. Um, as of the most recent counts, they have sold 50 million records worldwide. They've earned platinum certification in the United States for six of the 14 albums. Uh, they've received 11 Grammy nominations. And the name, if you uh, are not familiar, is misspelled. It's M-E-G-A-D-E-T-H with uh, not Megadeth with an A, uh, which really? according to Dave Mustaine represents the annihilation of power. But it is a misspelling of the term Megadeth, meaning one million deaths by a nuclear explosion. You can't get more metal than that. Um, uh, I, didn't, I didn't. I never noticed that. I guess it doesn't have an A in it because I, I, I'm not a Megadeth fan, so I've never really uh, noticed that. Wow. Vic Rattlehead, Megadeth. Anyway, um, the only other thing really to, to, that ties in with my my second one, which we'll get to in a minute, is in the early days of Megadeth, Kerry King from Slayer was filled in on lead guitar because uh, Dave Mustaine is notoriously kind of hard to work with, so they had quite a few uh, change-ups <laughs> over the years. Um, but uh, yeah, so I love Megadeth. I've been a fan for a long time, and I still will put them in and listen to them. Yeah, any, he said put them in. Any of you guys' thoughts on that? On Megadeth? Yeah. Not one that I listened to. At all? Not really, yeah, no. same here. I mean, I was a pretty big metalhead throughout the 80s, and I listened to uh, all of their albums, but they were kind of, I don't know, I'd say the bottom half of uh, metal bands for me personally. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I, I don't know. I guess for my group of friends, I mean, Metallica was at kind of the core early on, like end of grade school, early high school. And then in high school, me, Matt, Matt, all we listened to was like Megadeth was one of the main staples, especially the Rest in Peace album. Like just it was on a loop. Hmm. That's a pretty yeah, sturdy Meg- loop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying they're not metal; it's just not one that I ever listened yeah, to. Yeah, same oh, here. I, I, that's that's fine. I, I'll keep them to myself. But I yeah, mean, no. seriously, like if somebody played a Megadeth song right now, I, I wouldn't be able to identify it as a Megadeth song. I don't know. See, and, and that makes me sad because I want Dave to be successful because he's so bitter about the whole Metallica thing where he used to be. Until I saw um, this some kind of monster documentary, and I uh, I no longer felt sad for him. But um, 
because yeah. he was able to get out. <laughs> well, he's just he's just been able to do his thing and play music the way he wants to play and make records he wants to make and has been able to kind of do things his own way and hasn't fallen into all the stuff that Metallica did. So I feel that he, in the long run, did better. He I feel better a off. fight coming. <laughs> 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 all right. For, for who? Once we get to Metallica. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay, next up, Mike. Okay, so I listened to... R.E.M.? <laughs> U2, which is what Brian was suggesting? Yeah. I originally picked up on these guys in high school. And a buddy of mine, Lee, introduced me to him when he heard their song called I Am The Law. Anthrax is my pick for one of my favorite metal bands from the past. Anthrax, if Ozzy's like origin of metal and you've got Metallica as like the brooding metal band and you've got uh, Megadeth, Anthrax is like the spazzes <laughs> of, of the American metal scene. And that's really why I like them so much. The members are Scott Ian, Charlie Benate, Frank Bello, Joey Belladonna and Jonathan Donias. Um, initially, they started off in 1981 with Scott Ian and Dan Liker. During the 80s, they were considered one of the big four, which was Metallica, Megadeth, and Slayer. Their first performance was in 82, and they often played uh, the Jer- Jersey area with uh, Metallica. I can't say that I know a ton about their background on this. All I know is that I liked them. <laughs> one of the things that I liked about Anthrax was their disregard for what is expected of them. Does that make sense? I- mm-hmm. I follow you. Yeah, because it's they did whatever they wanted. They went up there. They eventually dropped the metallic, uh, the let's say the the metal look. And next thing you know, you've got like Scott Ian jumping around up there in uh, surf shorts. They were just goofy. Uh, I am the man, and not. Uh, not not. Um, well, that was their big thing. Did I say no? Yeah, not was the and the not was man. The, and the not man was initially the band. Uh, the song that got me intro- introduced to them. I am the law because I was reading. Yeah, I am the law. I'm sorry. That's right. Been a long day. Oh, are you? Sh- wait, is it I'm the man or I'm the law? Because well, I'm I am the law. Oh, okay. Because I'm the man was actually the you song that pulled me. I am the law. Yeah, with, about yeah. Judge Dredd. Yeah, and, that, and that's how I got introduced to him because we were list- I was a comic book geek in high school, so oh, okay. One of my buddies like, hey, check this out. This band did a song about Judge Dredd. So listen to that one. I was hooked on it. You know, added it to my rotation of cassettes and mixes. <laughs> you said you rotation know? of cassettes. Uh, and, that, uh, and I'm cassettes. old. And singles. You just <laughs> pocket. And I had the pocket rocker. I, oh. I bet you did. <laughs> yes. Yeah, buddy. Not and I am the man is just fun to listen to. Uh, the, you know, doing a song about Judge Dredd was great. Uh, 1991. Yeah, boy. Yeah. They collaborated with Public Enemy <laughs> and did bring the noise for the judgment night soundtrack no no no, no, no it, was a, it was a it was their own thing it was for their ep they put out uh attack of the killer bees yeah and, and it's and then, one of the few times i think that that whole collaboration has ever worked and been successful i mean it kind of became a thing in new metal later but i mean at the time in uh, and the judgment night soundtrack being as bad as it is uh, bring the noise is the only time i think it's ever really worked when you yeah, say the judgment night soundtrack i it's shit it's pretty pretty shitty yeah it's now garbage. when you say that kind of collaboration what exactly do you mean? Rap and metal. Oh, well, that wasn't even the first time Anthrax did rap and metal, though. But I mean, that 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 song is the perfect combination. And seeing them do it together live, the video for it, just makes me love it that much more. Because Chuck D and Flava Flavor just as into it as Scott Ian and, and Charlie Benante are. Uh, and it just it makes me just happy just to listen to the song and watch the video. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah, know if I've ever heard that song. The title track from I'm the Man is their comedy parody rap metal song, which was the thing that pulled me into Anthrax personally. Well, that's 
that's a that's a great one too. But I, that that's a different thing. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying like an actual rap artist combining with a. I'm just talking about because you're talking about them doing rap. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Pat, you you said you uh, you haven't heard I Am the Man. I've never heard an Anthrax song. Period. There's another band. What? Yeah. Yes, you have. Oh, you, well, maybe, I okay. I don't think so. Hang on here. Um. Because uh, Anthrax was. I mean, okay, I, I'll just say this right now. Half these bands we're gonna cover. I haven't heard a single song of theirs. Anthrax was gonna be my my second choice after Megadeth because they were right up there along with them. Persistence of Time. I listened to that album infinitely. Because I, okay. I don't like thrash metal and I've always just in my oh. head associated a lot of these bands with thrash metal so I've never They're even... so fun though. I mean they're... That here. Oh. That's like, yeah, that's like one of the I... very few genres of music I don't like is thrash oh. metal. Play it, it Mike. Okay, well, okay, hang on. I am the man. He'll like it after this. <laughs> I love No? No, it's too much Beastie Boys. Like, no, thank you. I, and it was pa- a parody in the style of the Beastie Boys. I just love the fact that they start it with a metal cover of Hava Nagila. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and they've got Sam Kinison. <laughs> yeah. Opening the yeah, but, I mean, I, you guys know my hatred for the Beastie Boys. So. Oh, Pat, you're missing no, out. No. They're so good. Uh, I'm with Joel on this. Oh, yeah. I love them so much. That's the fun part of it. I mean, Joel, I think Joel's with me on this. It's just one of those, I don't say a happy metal band. <laughs> but I mean, you could put it in, you could listen to a whole album and it could go from that dark place to a happy place and it would it would transition seamlessly to where you'd look you could listen to the whole album and by the time you're done like you're like wow that was great and you just started all over again well i had it on i was listening to spotify on the way to work and just put it on put it on anthrax and just listened for a whole 45 minute drive and never heard the same song twice it was just again just fun stuff they have some a couple times one where they've tried to do like political statements one called the indians they're they shouldn't be doing things like that <laughs> well and, and when you sound know. of white noise came out when when Charlie um, Joey Belladonna left and they had the guy from I think it was Front 242 or I forget where he's from that uh, came John in. John Bush? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I did not care for that album. It was, well, it was I don't too know. much of uh, too much static static. Uh, it, it was generic. Well, you know the single only off of that one? No, I couldn't. I could. Okay. I've heard the album once well, and I just I, couldn't do it. Well, this is the one that um, uh, Scott Ian said that Hetfield, James Hetfield told him was a perfect song. Huh. And I, I yeah. don't, I, I've, I've lost all faith in James, James Hetfield, so. No, we're going to fight. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, just uh, to clarify there, when uh, Joey Belladonna was fired, he was replaced by uh, John Bush from Armored Saint. Oh, thank you. I don't know where I'm getting front 242 from. I think because that was the out. Al- they had the album Stomp. Uh, oh crap! Never mind. That was during the bad time. And Charlie, uh, Joey Belladonna is a very tan gentleman, very Italian. Well, yeah, they all are. Well, Jewish, Italian. Never mind. Continue talking. My best, my best. I'll say my best Anthrax memory. Driving home with my buddy Lee from high school, putting on the Anthrax album, rolling down the windows, and he had this thing. Have you guys ever, you know, starting a campfire? You know those uh, those sticks that you use that you can rub anything on them, really, and it'll make a spark. That's called my penis. You know what I'm ta- <laughs> <laughs> that is true. No, right. wasn't on a keychain. Well, it could have been part of it at least. <laughs> um, 
well, he had one of these one of these fire starting sticks. It's like maybe two inches of magnesium mix, something or other that you rub it against like anything, and you're going to get sparks from. Yeah, it. like yes, an eternal match. Yes. Uh-huh. Lee had this habit of while we were driving home, flooring it, opening the door while he's driving, and taking one of these eternal match magnesium things and slamming it on the ground while we're driving. So this range of sparks flies up alongside of the car. I just looked it up because it was bugging the crap out of me. Sound of White Noise was the first one with John Bush, and then uh, he also was on Stomp 442. That's where I was getting the front 242 from. So, Sorry. do you remember? Well, that's actually, no, I'll take back. That's Oh, good lord, John Bush. Kept- is 2001 considered then still? No. That's about nope. the, the break point. We've been saying like about the break point? Yeah. Oh, god, I got, okay. now I want to listen to some Anthrax. State of Euphoria? What a great fucking record. That was a good album. Your ante, your ante, social. So good. All right. All right. So we uh, back up to Pat with uh, another marginal metal choice. <laughs> I actually like this one, but I'm just giving him shit. Yep. Patrick, yes, take sir. it away. Uh, ACDC, if anybody um, is not familiar with them, well, what are you listening to this show for, really? I mean. <laughs> not metal. Excuse me. What? Oh, they're metal. Oh, I'm, I'm <laughs> so going to slap you. They're metal-ish. They are rock and roll to the core. Uh, if you want to do an entire show on what you call metal, then I'm not going to do it because they I don't know what are- are the ultimate epitome of rock and roll. They are they the are epitome rock. of rock and roll. Uh, I, I, I'd go so far as to call them I, on the border between hard rock and heavy metal. I'm going to give Pat the benefit of the doubt on this one. Oh, I I'm going to let him run hard, with it. I mean, they're definitely hard rock, but I mean, if you, I'm just telling you right now, if you want to go by your strict whatever heavy metal <laughs> definition is, I'm not going to be able to contribute shit because I didn't listen to that. Well, so, that's what I said. Run with it, brother. What do you want? What do you want, buddy? Tell me. Tell me right. I can just hang up right I now. I want some Bon Scott. All right, <laughs> no, I feel bad. Sorry, Pat. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm just fucking with you. I love but you yeah, buddy. I don't, I don't. I mean, I never listened to any of the Slayers or Anthraxes or, or Megadeth or any of that shit. <laughs> any of uh, your Slayers or Anthraxes? <laughs> <laughs> Are you a 90 year old woman? <laughs> I love you, Pat. I don't listen to the metals. <laughs> oh, I don't know what you kids are listening to these days. Somebody sent me an envelope with some white powder in it. Is that your the run, end? Your runs and goeses and stuff. <laughs> so ACDC. ACDC, yeah. a band from Australia. One of the few bands from Australia that has made the transition into America. Um, they formed in 1973 by the Young Brothers, Malcolm and Angus. And when they first started, they were uh, Angus was the youngest of the family. He was 15, Whoa. still in school, wow. could play a hell of a guitar, mm-hmm. and their sister said, hey, as a kind of a catchy gimmick, why don't you wear your school uniform on stage? <laughs> and he never stopped. And he never took it off. And now <laughs> he looks ridiculous. <laughs> but that's for the next half of the show. It's yeah, a so, trademark, though. Uh. So yeah, they um they, 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 got, uh, they picked up a couple guys uh, in Melbourne when they moved and tried to make it big, and their first big show, um, Mark Evans, their lead singer for for reasons still yet unknown, refused to go on and didn't show up for the gig. So in one of my favorite rock and roll stories of all time, they said to their chauffeur, hey, buddy, we know you've been in a couple bands before. Do you want to come up here and sing? <laughs> and he's like, show. yeah, because you know what? I've been looking for another band because bands won't have me because they know they can't make it big because I have a criminal record. I've been in jail twice <laughs> and I have a problem with rage. <laughs> and they're like, perfect. You're our new lead singer. And that man turned out 
out to be Bon Scott. Oh, the man's a legend, man. He helped make this band the hard-ass band that it is and was for years because his attitude and his record and his everything, he was the real deal. Yeah. And he was angry, and he knew how to how to get that anger out through his singing. And they were another band that just took off. Within two years of forming, they were they had two records going out, uh, High Voltage and Dirty Deeds, Done Dirt Cheap, two very good records. And they, they made gold and platinum really, really fast. And they just kind of never looked back. Um, they've got so many albums out and so many sales and doing just great. And then along comes February 19th, 1980, when uh, Bon Scott is found dead of acute alcohol poisoning. The coroner basically says the, the exact words, he drank himself to death on his on his death uh, certificate. He didn't choke on his own vomit? I thought that was the story. I may, I, mean, I must have the, it wrong. That's the that hardcore legend thing. of it. Yeah, but I mean, it, uh, yeah, um, he... I that mean, was a symptom. Yeah, exactly. He really <laughs> was, I mean, he, he was just found just dead from just, I mean, his blood alcohol level when they found him was, I can't remember, and this was hours after he had died, was still at like 2.0 or something. <laughs> oh, his blood yeah. alcohol level was yes. <laughs> <laughs> his blood alcohol level was, yeah, who put this blood in my alcohol? <laughs> so yeah, he died, and they had an, um, and, and the, they, another interesting story about this band is um, about three months before he died, Bon Scott had told his bandmates about this guy he saw in this other band uh, named Brian Johnson, and he said, he's just, ph- he's phenomenal, you guys gotta check him out. Well, they called him up and said, hey, you know, uh, I know you heard that Bon Scott died, how'd you like to audition for ACDC? And he's like, <laughs> uh, yeah, where do I sign? <laughs> you you come recommended from our dead lead singer. Exactly. <laughs> That's weird, but yeah. they were so right, Brian though. Johnson takes over ACDC, and he has just this gravelly voice that just kind of you know grabs everybody's attention and they don't miss a beat and they just continue making gold records and we can catch up to 2000 real easy by just listing all their major albums that have sold millions the razor's edge ball breaker flick of the switch i mean all you know stiff upper lip and And we will pick it up later on them (laughs) they've used the same four chords for the entire run that is entirely true and i tell you what (laughs) one of the things that i like about this band is that i don't think there's a band in the world that more consistently has amazing intros to their songs because when an ACDC song starts it, you just everybody just takes notice yep. <laughs> I mean because they all have just a, an amazing either guitar riff or amazing drum beat or just something awesome in the first 15 seconds of a, every ACDC song every ACDC song that will just grab your attention and make you listen I will give you that it's like any time an ACDC song comes up on the radio or on Spotify or whatever you immediately know it's that exactly I mean I mean think about the, you know there, there's songs that you know I mean long way to the top you know um, you shook me all night long how it has that just you know that, that bing, and you know immediately what song it is you know hell's bells with the with the chiming you know um, thunderstruck thunderstruck yeah with that whole mm-hmm. chorus with the yeah I mean it's just every one of their songs has a, a just a dynamic intro money well, talks with that re- rep- repetitive guitar riff you know can I can I tell my my fun ACDC story and this it. ties in with you guys plus Mike especially and ties in with another Gen Con story, ironically enough. I think I know about this. Which the three I of us will be this. located at Gen Con coming up in August. So please come find us. Um, we, we, were at a, we were in Milwaukee. We went to a bar. Um, there were a bunch of nerds there. Everybody's doing karaoke. I decided to do karaoke. Well, I decided to do ACDC karaoke because I do a uh, Brian Johnson impersonation. However, I, for whatever reason, probably due to drinking, uh, chose a Bon Scott song, Dirty Deeds, and proceeded to sing it as Brian Johnson. And 
<laughs> and then proceeded to after we got done because Mike came up and was helping me out. Um, one of the drunk gentlemen that was at the bar, he said, "That's the best ACDC I've ever heard." I'm like, "Oh, thank you." So that was fun. <laughs> All right, you remember Mike? Yeah, that was the same night for the girl with the cast on her arm. And yes, and that was also that you did, I believe, didn't you do Loser? No, I did. I don't remember what I did. Only I, I remember singing with you, and I remember the homeless guy coming in and singing, uh, "Why don't we do it in the road?" <laughs> <laughs> he was I think hoping. we should find some karaoke again this year. Yeah, because that worked out so well for me last year. Well, all you got to do is just not fight the fucking bus, bus boy, Mike. I mean, really. If he's, okay, I didn't fight him, <laughs> for one. And two, if he works there, he should be wearing a shirt that says, I work here. That's a good point. Uh, that is a good point. So Mike okay. won't punch him. <laughs> Mike goes around <laughs> punching anybody that doesn't work anywhere, yeah. Like if you're <laughs> in a you bar and you work there, there's a chance he's going to get you in a headlock. <laughs> no, just anywhere. He's like, do you work somewhere? No, I'm going to punch you. <laughs> he hates <laughs> unemployed people. Hates them. Fucker. All anyway. right, speaking of punching. Moving on. Metallica. Yeah. All right, Metallica, aside from one other band, is the band I've seen more times live. Uh, I've, I've seen They Might Be Giants six times live. I've seen Metallica slightly less than that. I thought it was Charo was who you saw the most. <laughs> aye, 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 aye. <laughs> oh, that's, that's privately. Oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, it's just me time. <laughs> Us time. <laughs> Don't disrespect Charo. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Metallica. <laughs> Uh, Metallica is, for a lot of people, the metal band. Uh, formed in L.A., uh, basically started with an ad in the paper by Lars Ulrich, the drummer. Somebody just drive Joel away? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think so. See you later, guy. <laughs> <laughs> In 1981, uh, Lars Ulrich posted an, a want ad in an L.A. newspaper, basically saying, looking for people to jam with. <laughs> and uh, at that point, uh, James Hetfield picks up his copy of the L.A. newspaper, The Recycler, and uh, he was in a band called Leather Charm, and he answered the ad with another guy uh, named Hugh Tanner. Uh, Ulrich uh, immediately got together with Hetfield and said, all right, we're, we're going to form a band i'm gonna immediately start working on like a record deal i want to get into the studio right away uh get us onto a compilation album so right from the beginning five months after meeting uh james hatfield uh lars ulrich and james hatfield officially formed metallica uh they uh kicked around names uh talked about maybe metal mania uh but they they got the pos they got the final name from a fan of lars named ron quintana uh who suggested suggested Metallica. So they used the name. It uh, worked out, once again, pretty well for them. Uh, the uh, They were also put in the thrash metal category, but before that, James Hetfield uh, referred to them, uh, their sound as power metal, which is, I think, actually a better description. Um, so in 83, they go to record what they wanted to call Metal Up Your Ass, which I actually had the like T-shirt with the toilet and the knife and the fist uh, and the metal Metal Up Your Ass logo. Problem. Uh, studio would not record an album named Metal Up Your Ass. So they had to... <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> 
they ended up having to uh, rename it uh, Kill Them All. Uh, and just before finishing the sessions in 83, uh, they kicked Dave Mustaine out of the band uh, where he went on. <laughs> he went on to form Megadeth and uh, they went on with their new uh, lineup with uh, replaced him with Kirk Hammett same afternoon. Uh, and Kirk was with them for uh, Kill Em All and Ride the Lightning. And then we've got Master of, Pup- uh, Master of Puppets recorded in 1984. Uh, I don't know if where your guys' association with Metallica starts, but for me, this was the album that like broadened my heavy metal horizons. Uh, I want to say, aside from Ozzy Osbourne, like a little bit of Striper, some hair metal stuff, and like I'm the Man, uh, I pretty much was an Ozzy guy until I started listening to Master of Puppets. Uh, huge. Uh, got them onto the Monster of Rock tour in '85 with Bon Jovi and Rat. Uh, they blew up huge uh, with their, this is their third studio album. Unfortunately, right after their third studio album, uh, we've seen with my picks, there is a consistent theme of huge artists who are marked by tragedy. Once again, we have a tour bus accident, which uh, costs the band uh, uh, Cliff Cliff Burton. Yeah, uh, it's interesting because... Uh, they were working with Cliff Burton and an uh, individual named Cliff Bernstein at the same time. Hmm. Um, but uh, basically what ended up happening on their Damage Inc. tour is they were having a fight over who was going to get to sleep in which bunks. Uh, they drew cards. Cliff Burton won and chose to sleep in what would have been Kirk Hammett's bunk. Uh, around dawn in Sweden, their bus driver lost control, skidded, flipped the bus. Uh, Ulrich Hammett and Headfield sustained no serious injuries, but Cliff was pinned under the bus and he didn't live through it. The bus huh. was lying right on top of him. Which and it's one of the biggest hits to, I mean, talk about a bass player that it was and still is one of the best of, well, anyway, that was a big loss. Yeah. And uh, it's like, it's almost like uh, the day the music died all over again. Right. I mean, drawing lots to see who goes where type thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. With uh, who was it? Uh, Waylon Jennings. Huh? Yeah. Waylon Jennings and uh, Big Bopper. Yep. Right. Okay. So uh, after after Cliff's death, he was replaced by Jason Newstead, and they uh, pulled the pieces together and recorded "And Justice for All," and eventually the the Black Album, self titled. That was the you guy you introduced me to the Black Album, and that is when I first started listening to Metallica. Josh. Oh, okay, yeah, that was I, I played that a hell of a lot in college. Yep. Uh, oh yeah. I have a uh, very together all the time. I have pleasant memories of uh, playing original uh, Warcraft two, running uh, catapults uh, forward towards towers with "Don't Tread on Me" playing in the background. <laughs> oh, so appropriate. It had sort of that war beat going. Um, that pretty much takes us up to the area where I started, uh, watching them live. They're, uh, Garage Incorporated, Load, Reload, and S&M Tours, uh, going through the mid-90s. And this is where a lot of people, uh, believe that they hit kind of a turning point at the Black Album where they decided to take their song, their sound in a more commercially viable direction. And a lot of people talk about how they sold, sold out. Uh, some people talked about, like, the moment they lost faith in Metallica was the time in 1992, right after uh, James Hetfield recovered from the accident where he uh, there was a fireworks explosion which burned off his hair, gave him second and third degree burns to his face, his hands, his legs. 
during Fade to Black. So a lot of people believe that when James came back, the band was different and not in a good way. And I, I don't know that I agree with that. I mean, there's definitely an element of a difference in their sound. They decided to play with some other things, but I don't know. I, I've always kind of been irritated at the metal hipsters who are like, oh, I, I, I listen to Kill 'Em All, but about the time they recorded the Black Album, they just started to suck. And everything after that is just like they sold out, man. I don't know. Thoughts on that? Well, as I've said a million times, I would sell out if anybody would buy me. Yeah. But I don't think success automatically equals sellout. I mean, and there's so many people that just automatically think that. Like, the second you become popular, they're like, ugh, sellouts. You know, because they want to feel like they knew you before everybody else did and they had dibs or whatever. Sure. And and so, I I don't, I, I completely agree that the selling out does not equate making it big. Right. I don't know that there really really is a selling out necessarily, but I, and I don't disagree agree with what you're saying at all i i think kill them all to me is almost a punk record in a lot of ways um and not that it is a punk record but it has more overtones of that than any of their other stuff i always i came in during injustice for all went back to master of puppets and kind of stayed there um along with ride the lightning i i still think the black album is a good it's a solid record it's a good record i don't think there's anything wrong with it i think where i kind of tuned out is when they did the unforgiven part two <laughs> to me that was kind of the I was like, eh. I mean, I and not because I dislike the Unforgiven. I just, for me, that just it was just kind of dumb. And then um, the more that I, I watched their kind of slow descent into being more of a reality show than a band, I just kind of, I just kind of lost interest. And I, I've heard some of the new stuff, and I just, I didn't care for it. Um, I, I think Lars Ulrich is a is a whiny baby, and I think James Hetfield is kind of broken. I think whatever happened to him kind of has caused him to go through some changes, and I, that's not always a bad thing but i just don't know that he's quite found himself yet is my personal opinion i think kirk ham is is a great guy i he's probably my favorite of the group um i think robert trujillo is an amazing bass player wrong band for him uh jason newstead was i thought was also great too his uh his side project is is really good uh and cliff burton i just that that was a, a waste that was an unfortunate waste so yeah i i'm not gonna say that uh my favorite stuff is post black album but i do love a lot of things off of load and reload i like a uh, fuel i like the memory remains uh the entire cover album uh garage inc uh, i think is awesome um there was the uh, or uh, the uh i forget what they called it but it was recorded with the san francisco uh F- symphony orchestra i think that's snm yeah that's snm uh where they did uh no leaf clover call of cthulhu uh, uh whiskey in a jar oh, I love Whis- that song. oh whiskey in a jar was uh garage days oh was it i thought yeah. that was on snm for some reason uh, i think snm had a bunch of their old Old stuff, including Nothing Else Matters, and the two new songs were No Leaf Clover and Human. I've been trying to say I like the Cthulhu song, but I forgot that my thing was muted because I was coughing. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's been attempting to contribute to You're this like, entire Why thing. are you not listening to me? <laughs> Awesome. I'm just glad I didn't get pissed off and start cutting you guys off. No, no. I, I listened to uh, Metallica in high school a lot and in college, and pretty much once I left college, I, I kind of stopped listening to them. I don't know. I just it wasn't like a conscious choice. I guess I just I guess I got kind of worn out by being around Metallica all the time with me and Josh playing them all the time. So mm. I, I guess I have, would have to say that I am a fan of Metallica's early work more than their late work. But I do have some of their later songs on my iPod, so it's not totally all. Okay, old Joel, Metallica. right, Slayer. Okay, um, now. Uh, 
I chose Slayer for one of two reasons. One, because I think we we have to have them represented in the show because again, they're part of the big four, as it were. Um, I and that, and I think Brian would be eternally pissed at me if I didn't make mention of them since they're his thing. Uh, but honestly, when I was in high school, I listened to Slayer. I have um, South of Heaven, and I gotta look behind me because the albums are behind me, and I can't read them from here. Uh, <laughs> That's um, good radio. Seasons in the Abyss. Thank you. I had to think for a minute. Uh, the two, the, my two favorites of theirs, and I, I think Dead Skin Mask is probably my favorite song. And people put them in that, you know, that thrash metal or whatever genre you want to call it. But even then, I don't think they're far too melodic and too, uh, you know, there are there is a, a song structure to it that's very not poppy, but there's, you know, they have that capability of of writing a good song that you can sing the lyrics to. Um, and Tom Mariah has got it's a great voice. But anyway, um, they're uh, they what I was reading, they consider them an American thrash metal band. They're from, they're from California. They formed in 1981, same year as some of the other guys we've been talking about tonight, uh, by guitarist Jeff Hanneman and Carrie King. In their early incarnation, uh, they used to play cover versions of Iron Maiden and Judas Priest, uh, Judas Priest, singular, at clubs and parties in California, which wouldn't be a stretch. And you can't go wrong with Maiden or Priest, which I'm surprised we didn't pick either one of those. But anyway, uh, they're notoriously I picking bands that aren't metal. Apparently, <laughs> you were. Um, they're notoriously associated with Satanism because of their imagery that they have on their album covers and some of the music uh, that they, the songs they sing about. Um, oh, the, you mean the swords making a pentagram? Exactly. They, yeah. I mean, they they cover topics <laughs> like serial killers, which Deadskin Mask is about. Ed Gein, uh, necrophilia, Satanism, religion, anti-religion, warfare, um, and I mean, they're they're banned all over the place. There's lawsuits, criticisms. Uh, religious groups hate them. I mean, they're just just on the album covers alone. I mean, granted, if you've ever seen an album cover for uh, Cannibal Corpse or I can't think of the well, Cannibal Corpse, we'll just leave it at that. But, you know, there's there's other bands out there that have far worse artwork than they do. But because of the the iconography that they use, they kind of get labeled. And it's unfortunate because they're they're really I mean, they're really they write good music. They're talented guys. Um, debut album was released in 1983. Since then, they've released two live albums, a box set six videos a couple of eps uh, a cover album and 10 studio albums four of which have received gold certification in the united states which means you got to be doing something right and when i was talking to brian about this before um the show yesterday i asked him i said you know i just want to let you know i'm doing slayer at the show and he's like he's like it's funny he said i don't know how good that'll be for the show he said because from the time when they started in in 83 or 81 until now they have not changed they're kind of like acdc of of metal they're still playing the exact same thing because that's what the fans want and that's what sells records and and they can tour on and that's what they like to do so why why change it if it ain't broke you know um but if you ever want to piss your parents off if you're young enough to live at home or anything listen to a slayer record and leave the album lying out you'll get in trouble trust me one weird trick parents hate them yeah anybody have any thoughts on slayer i've never heard them so can't say anything anybody else not really i mean for some reason i thought you would have listened josh or you would have a thought on them since i for some reason i thought you would had been a fan of some sorts i very casually just in a like i'm sure i had a couple of mixtapes with slayer on them 
But uh, really, when it comes to thrash, I was more of an anthrax guy. You said mixtape. I'm imagining like Nina Cherry's Buffalo Stance followed by, <laughs> you know, War Ensemble by Slayer or Rain and Blood or something. Anyway. Okay. Well, next then. Okay. Well, then there's my oddball one. Are you ready to talk about them yet? I'm ready to talk about them now. <laughs> the Cult was my choice. Blue Oyster for... Cult? No, not Blue Oyster Cult. That was oh, what cult. I thought. Yeah. Initially, you thought it was Blue Oyster Cult. Now, here, I have one queued up here. Now, this is, I know initially you think the cult, you think of the song She Still Sang. Sanctuary, which is this one right here. Okay, you recognize that one? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right, let me pause that one. Then you have one called Dirty Little Rock Star that they've also done. I see the cult on like a compilation album or something like that. It's all packed in with like the goth rock and that sort of that genre. So you can see them with like Susie and the Banshees and that era and that type of music. They are a lot more metal than you initially would think. They started. What's that? I was gonna say, the song that I always think of is Firewoman. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah, Firewoman. Yeah, I didn't want. I didn't want. I wanted to find something else. They also have another one called The Wolf, which is another really good. Like you, um, their metal comes out. I think they. Have- have a song on the uh, on on the soundtrack to um, the Lost Boys, don't they? I don't think so. Mm, no. Am I thinking of The Calling, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, go ahead. You Sorry. might be. Yeah. Oh, but anyway, okay, so they started out a band called Southern Death Cult, in coming out of Bradford, Bradford, Yorkshire, and toured around Great Britain with such bands as Bauhaus mm-hmm. and Theater of Hate. Bella Lugosi's dead. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Bauhaus, if you want 15 minutes of time to listen to one song. Yeah. Um, and also, if you want to piss your parents off. <laughs> yeah. Just play well, that, that really yeah, loud. Their first album was called Dreamtime, and it was very much into aboriginal and native american symbolism they had a lot of songs in there uh flower in the desert horse nation uh one called spirit walker you know they made uh spirit walker reach number one on the independent charts in the uk their mainstream success release was when they in 85 they released she sells sanctuary and that peaked at 15 in the uk for 23 weeks and in 85 they toured the united states supported by a then unknown guns and roses Hmm. yeah they had a world tour in that time where they made it to Australia and weren't able to make it to Japan because in the Australian tour they wound up wrecking 30,000 pounds worth of equipment and the problem was is no one would rent them equipment after that. Jeez. I wonder why. So, uh, they also toured in 89 with Aerosmith and Josh, do you remember the Damage Justice tour with Metallica? You're talking the cult? I'm talking the cult. I, I'll be honest with you, Mike. Until you know, we were preparing for the show, I had heard those two songs that you played i didn't know who did them and i had never heard of the cult really yeah i didn't know who they were oh well the second leg uh north american leg of the damage justice tour uh they backed up metallica on their tour oh so therein is my why the cult is metal and josh cannot disagree with me on that of course not i didn't know who the hell they were Uh, you guys know i've never been one listening to or you know anything popular you go you go your own way (laughs) yeah okay put it that way but it's but no i you know i heard sanctuary back in high school and liked it and picked up some other cult stuff which eventually led into me listening to other stuff like Susie and the Banshees and going in that direction with my musical tastes also. But uh, no, they're um, they're really good. I mean, honestly, if you have not listened to them, like pop them up on no. Pandora or um, Spotify. There you That's go. What I'm trying to yeah. So, 
But yeah, that's the uh, that's the cult. All right. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Different cult. So we've been talking for a long time, gentlemen. Are we ready for a break? I think our listeners will be ready for a break. Yes, they will. All right. So let's break. Yeah, after we come back, we're going to do a brief uh, where are they now, and we're each going to take on a modern metal band. We're back from our break, and now we're going to go into uh, the bands that we loved and what they're doing now. Yes, we spent 10 minutes explaining to Pat that Run DMC was also not metal. Shut he up. He still doesn't <laughs> believe me, though. <laughs> we're still on the, sh- on the fence about the Fat Boys, though. Mm. <laughs> See, it's the only fence the Fat Boys have ever been on. <laughs> Without breaking it. <laughs> so. All right, so, Pat, Kiss and ACDC, are they still around? Yes, um, despite the cliffhanger ending for Kiss when they announced their farewell to they still tour to this day. <laughs> um, several times, Ace Freely has left the band, um, appear not uh, you know declining to appear at one of their anniversary shows. You know, all based on money issues and everything, and the fact that um, in Gene Simmons' biography, he pretty much kind of slammed Ace Freely and Peter Chris both for being money grabbers. So they're still doing their drama. They're still doing. Gene Simmons is still the master marketing genius that he has always been, putting the Kiss name on just about everything possible because he knows that the Kiss Army is going to buy it if it has the the, name, the Kiss logo on it. So oh. it's true. No, Family I, jewels. I, hmm? Family jewels. <laughs> I, I give exactly. the man credit for being one of the most amazing marketing guys out there. Yeah. I, I don't like him. I, 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 as a person, I find him to be pretentious and an asshole, but I, I, I can't knock him for doing taking something from a band that really Realistically, is maybe not the best band on the planet, never was, but they wrote good pop songs, good songs that had a good, you know, you could sing along with them, that sort of thing is what I'm where I'm going with that. Um, and milked it for way more than it ever could have been worth without his mind behind it, taking it to just crazy places. Right. And because of the branding, he now has done, and I, are you going to talk about his most recent venture? I just found out about this like what, three days casket? ago. No, 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 no. This is like just starting. This is a brand brand new. Oh, then I but guess I don't know. Him, he, him and, and uh, Paul Stanley. Well, hold on, re- real quick, let me just finish yeah. them musically and then we'll talk about the merchandising stuff. Let me okay. finish so, um, basically, they've released two albums in the last five years. Uh, neither one of them very well received, uh, Sonic Boom and Monster. Sonic Boom, funny enough, was uh, exclusively distributed in North America, at least, uh, only through Walmart. So, <laughs> wow. yeah. So you talk about, like, you know, uh, they're kind of falling on harder times, but in a glimmer of hope, uh, this year, after 15 years of eligibility and constantly being denied by the critics, they finally were elected to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And they had one of the best intro speech- speeches I've ever heard by, and I'm sorry that I don't remember his name right now, uh, from Rage Against the Machine. Um, which is, uh, anyway, regardless, they, he, had a, he gave him a great intro speech, basically, you know, denouncing the, ho- the 
Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for waiting so long to put Kiss into the Hall of Fame. And it was very interesting. And it was the first time in, in many years that all of the members of Kiss, including the first four, plus all the re- replacements and everything, were all together at one spot. Now, the Hall of Fame would only let the four original guys go up on stage. The other guys had to sit on their table. And Gene Simmons but, charged the rest of them to be there. Well, if, yeah. If but, you're going to be here at this <laughs> yeah. thing. Well, I mean, he, he basically said, you know, I'm not going to buy your tickets for you. Is all he you said. will <laughs> pay. Yeah, because I mean, they do charge to sit there, you know, to, to go into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and he just basically told them, "I'm not going to pay for all of you to come." Which, whatever, <laughs> you know. I'm... Dick. Excuse me. Why is he responsible to pay for everybody though? <laughs> He's not. I'm. Just yeah, kidding. exactly. So he had to buy his tickets. Why does he have to buy everybody else's? That's just my take on it. Anyway, yeah. So they're still, you know, they're still putting out albums. They're studio albums, so true to form with Chris with Kiss. They're not doing as well as their live albums because they're just not as good. So they're probably going to put a live album out soon, I would imagine. And once they have died they will put out a dead album and i guarantee gene simmons will find a way to release an album after they're gone well, I, I guarantee Kiss you he's dead got something, something in his like will that. about all his unrecorded stuff yeah <laughs> or no he'll just release an album that's just silence but he'll release it as <laughs> kiss dead and it will be like platinum it will be it will be a live feed into his coffin <laughs> yes <laughs> there you go he will be decomposing for the rest into of his kiss casket <laughs> right he's like i'm not gonna stay in one of those they're terrible <laughs> he's gonna be in his abba casket so so real quick then, I just have to mention, because I literally just heard about this like three days ago. I was watching AMC um, and I saw a preview for a show called Fourth and Loud. And what this is, is Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley own an arena football team called the LA Kiss Arena Football Team. And the show debuts August 5th, and it's all about them being co-owners of... They're trying to bring football back to L.A., according to them. So, I mean, talk about branding to the nth degree. (laughs) That is powerfully awful. Uh, Yeah, I don't recommend anybody watches it, but I'll I'll post a link in the chat for you guys to look at, because a picture of the two of them together is just... makes me want to punch them, but... (laughs) You know, Paul uh, Paul Stanley can never say no to Gene Simmons, because he's like, you've made me so much goddamn money, how can I ever refuse anything? you want to do because all it does is make us money all the time exactly and and i'm sure that's why paul stanley puts up with his crap exactly it's lying in his wallet so anyway who's your acdc what about them um acdc they basically you know like we said earlier still just cranking out music um album after album is still believe it or not selling just not as well as they used to in the 70s and the 80s but they're still selling um Stiff Upper Lip in 2000, um, it it ended up, uh, God, what did that go? I think it, I think that one went gold, I think. Um, but yeah, they just signed a multi-album deal with Sony, um, so they're still putting out, you know, all kinds of stuff. And the Iron Man franchise has kind of almost uh, repopularized them because they use a lot of their songs. Oh, heck yeah, that's like all Tony Stark listens to. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, they're still relevant to this day, which is amazing because they started 41 years ago, you know, and just like, you know, all the powerhouse, you know, really, really big bands you can think of they're still touring and still putting out music and still one of the top you know 10 grossing tours of all time every time that they tour or of the year i mean not of all time one of their they're always one of the top 10 tours of the year every time they tour you know what's funny about that is you hear one of those songs on the radio and it's kind of timeless i mean you you you, it's not like you hear an old rolling stone song and you're like oh that's the old stones you hear an acdc song and because of the fact that they've done four chords no waiting for their entire career you can hear back in black and it sounds just 
as good now as it did when it was first released. And I mean, you think about how long ago all that was. Yeah, and, and really, the only the only determining factor is just if you if you know the difference between Brian Johnson and Bon Scott's voices, really. And and even the Bon Scott is, it's, has a slight bit of dating to it, but even then, it's still. I mean, you could put on that anytime, anywhere, and it it you're bound to have people get into it, and and even people that have never heard it before would probably be like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. You know, and um another another thing about um Brian Johnson now is just basically he and he now at this point has been in the band longer than Bon Scott was. So, so right. now he is now actually the front runner for the position of forerunner to the band. Yay! <laughs> I think we lost the other guys. I don't know. Well, I'm still here. No, I'm here. Oh, I thought we were doing the show by ourselves. All right. So I guess we're on to the where are they now for a me. For you. Yes, I am right here. But we're not talking about... That's not important right now. Uh, Ozzy, Black Sabbath, and Metallica. Where are they now? Well, Ozzy doesn't even know where he is now. <laughs> right. Uh, aside from being the multi-billionaire brand titan uh, behind OzFest and the reality show Punchline, uh, Ozzy Osbourne is, of course, still making music. And uh, more recently, he's making music with Black Sabbath again. Uh, they did a reunion back in 20. 20- 2013 and uh, released an album under the title 13. Uh, they brought in Brad Wilk from Rage Against the Machine for the uh, drummer. Uh, Rick Rubin produced. And uh, let's see. When did it come out? Rick Rubin produces everything. Yeah, <laughs> and, no kidding. And he has a big old beard. Like last April, they released uh, God is Dead, which was the first Sabbath uh, yeah. single. Have you guys heard the new stuff, by the way? No, just I out of curiosity. Have you? Anybody? I've just heard God is Dead. I've heard the single and that's it. I I was yeah. impressed, honestly. I, I was impressed. I, I was I really thought it was it was good what I heard. Yeah, apparently the second single showed up on a CSI crime crime scene investigation an episode. Uh, I don't really watch the, those kind of shows, the uh, kind of uh, crime torture porn shows, but. The uh, second single was called End of the Beginning. I don't know if you, any of you guys do the CSI. Yeah! I, no, I, watched I, C- I watched CSI pretty much up until uh, Ted Danson joined it, I think. Okay. About when I stopped and then watching. he really watched it. <laughs> and then I lived it. But the, uh, the God is Dead single did get Sabbath a their first Grammy in many, many years for best metal performance just this year. So they and Jethro Tull have something in common now. Yeah, no kidding. They have a rock and roll flute player. That's not true. All right. So on the Metallica, uh, Metallica drew a lot of hate, uh, mostly over what is kind of known now as the Napster thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Basically, Metallica noticed that uh, the song I Disappear, which was supposed to show up on the soundtrack for Mission Impossible 2, got leaked and was getting airplay all over the place on the radio. And they discovered, wait a minute, there are people on the Internet who are sharing our music <laughs> and we don't like this. Lars specifically. Oh, yeah. Lars Lars went nuts and they became some of the most vocal opponents of the file sharing uh, movement. Uh, Lars went as far as testifying in front of the Senate to try and get Napster shut down right around uh, year 2000. Shortly after that, as uh, anyone who's seen the documentary Some Kind of Monster knows, this is about the time the band started to fall apart a little bit. Jason Newstead uh, started doing a side project uh, named Echo Brain. 
And pretty much that got him kicked out of the band. Uh, James Hetfield did not care for the amount of time he was taken away from his uh, time in the band and was like, well, what is this going to do? I mean, are you going to tour with them? Uh, where do, where does it end? So he took his toys and went home. Yep. Yeah, basically. Yeah, they, they could not uh, reconcile the differences and Jason ended up leaving the band. And uh, in 2003, Robert Trujillo of uh, Suicidal Tendencies was uh, chosen to replace Newstead. And how long did that, let's see, that lasted for a little bit. Is he still with them? Anybody know? Yeah, he is. Okay, he's still oh, yeah. with he, them to this he's day. He's getting a paycheck. He's 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 in he's in deep now. He's part of the band. And I, I don't mean that like initially I think it was he was he was if you watch the some kind of monster documentary, he was very enthusiastic about being picked. Like he was it was a big honor for him, which I think is kind of funny because I think suicidal tendencies is a hell of a way to <laughs> start out your career. Um so I think he should have they should have been just as honored to have him but uh, yeah he's very much he's part of the band now they've forgotten about Jason Newstead well yeah and that was the thing is most of my exposure besides actually listening to the new stuff St. Anger Lulu Through the Never uh, was from the some uh, kind of monster documentary and at the time it seemed like they thought his uh, inclusion in the band was going to be kind of temporary so glad to hear that he's been sticking around well they were wrong then weren't they yeah no kidding uh, they are currently working on a 10th studio album. Huh. So I don't know if I've heard a new Metallica song that isn't a cover in like the last 10 years. Because, I, I mean, I have a couple covers like Tuesday's Gone and Whiskey in a Jar, but I don't think I have any of their new, newest stuff. Listen also, both from Garage Days. Yeah, listen to St. Anger and you'll... That's the last one I heard. All right, I'll check it out. Uh, Lulu's I, not bad. I don't recommend it, but I mean, you can listen to it. So that's uh, that's Metallica. They're working on another one. Apparently, last year they played a show in Antarctica. They called it Freeze Them All. <laughs> wow. Are you fucking us? I know. I'm not kidding. It actually made Metallica the first band ever to play on all seven continents of the planet. Nice. And I, I, and I like that. Meanwhile, Gene Simmons was like, damn it. Why didn't I think of that? Kiss Antarctica. Paul, <laughs> it's your fault. You know. Kiss ice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. It'll, well, it'll be in the, in the shape of little lightning bolts. It'll be a... Uh, anyway. So, in two 2002, uh, Megadeth, we'll start with Megadeth. In 2002, Dave Mustaine was admitted to the hospital. Um, he had a, was going to have a kidney stone removed. Um, while he was undergoing the treatment, he was administered a pain medication that triggered a relapse. Uh, and following the hospital stay, he immediately checked himself into a treatment center because he had has had drug and alcohol issues. Um, while he was there, he suffered a freak injury causing severe nerve damage to his left arm. Uh, it induced a falling asleep basically um with his left arm um well, no, let me start over. The injury was induced by falling asleep with his left arm over the back of a chair, causing compression of the radial nerve. He was diagnosed with radial neuropathy, also known as Saturday Night Palsy, not to be confused with the movie with, uh, anyway, um, which left him unable to <laughs> grasp. Really? Yeah, that's what, they call, that's what they call it. He was unable to grasp or even make a fist with his left hand. So there was, a, if I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I like, I'm part of his Facebook page. So we, I've been following his recovery. And, you know, he's this was a big thing because here's a guy who makes his money with being able to play guitar and sing. And, and because he writes the songs and, you know, a lot of all the guitar solos and everything. The whole world sing. Right. He is the Barry Manilow of, of metal. He um, I mean, this is a, this is a huge deal. And he now has gotten to the point where he's he's still recovering. Um, 
but he became well, a born again a Christian, <laughs> kind of. Um, he became a born again Christian, which has gotten him a lot of flack for his because he's kind of started to. He was real vocal about it for a while. It's toned down quite a bit now, but um, you know. He, and then in 2004, he reestablished the band with joined Striper because they have the full lineup. They don't need a guitar player and singer. Because he didn't have seven hundred and seventy-seven dollars. Yes. To join. <laughs> um, Are you really going to tell me that they would say no? Thanks. We don't want you, Dave Mustaine. No, they'd say to hell with Dave Mustaine. So um, he got back together with El- Dave Elson, um, who incidentally had taken legal action against Dave Mustaine. Um, they settled out of court and then they rejoined the group finally in 2010 um, because he had tried to reestablish them back then. They wouldn't. They were disagreeing. So he went on without him, kind of. Um, Megadeth, Megadeth since then has hosted its own music festival called Gigantour several times uh, since the mid 2020, 2000 and 2005. God, it's getting late, so I can't talk. Um, they're still making music, and if you follow them on Facebook, it's always a fun time to well, see the crazy world of Dave Mustaine. You don't really, excuse me, you don't really yes. need to worry about Dave Mustaine's left arm, though, honestly, because he's all right now. So anyway, uh, Slayer. <laughs> that time um they have received five grammy nominations they won one in 2007 for the song eyes of the insane uh and in 2008 for the song called final six both from the 2006 album called christ illusion um I found out that uh, from Brian, this was his one fact that he attributed that I didn't already know. Uh, Carrie King played guitar, uh, the guitar solo on No Sleep Till Brooklyn by the Beastie Boys, which Pat hates because Pat's a dummy. Um, currently, Dave Lombardo is the youngest member of the band. He's age 45. They are still making music. Um, they're very particular about who they work with outside of the band. And uh, they've worked with uh, Slayer, or I'm sorry, with Soulfly, Pantera, and Rob Zombie. So see, they have good taste. Uh, on May 2nd, 2000, 2013 guitarist Jeff Hanneman died of liver failure and a little fun fact other than that, that's not a fun fact, but <laughs> their third album, Especially Rain and Blood, him. <laughs> nope, is considered uh, the heaviest album of all time by Kerrang, which Kerrang is your source for all your heavy metal needs if you read magazines in print. So, yep, they're still Why making music. Do- they're still touring. <laughs> they haven't changed anything since day one, and they're making money and doing what they love, so more power to them. Yeah, your face is a dummy too, Pat. <laughs> Mike? So, Anthrax, what have they been doing now? Well, let's see. The John Bush joined them after Belladonna left. Played with them until 2005. So, he's been with them 2005. 2001, the Anthrax attacks. That was not a tour. Remember that when people started mailing Anthrax to each other in the news? Oh, the mail? yeah. Not the tour. Okay. The band changed its website because people were typing anthrax.com into search engines and getting the band site. <laughs> I don't know why. Well, it's 2001. I guess people would just assume that they could just type in you know whatever.com it would tell them about yeah, it yeah think about how um adept quote-unquote people are at the internet now and imagine them yeah 13 years ago yeah no i died when I aol totally was understand. king mm-hmm. <laughs> remember well, in college we'd be like if we saw anybody's email address was blah 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 at aol.com we immediately just deleted it we're like i don't want to talk to this idiot <laughs> <laughs> hey you've got mail pretty good but during the, the anthrax tax they uh, actually changed their web page to provide information about anthrax so they had this little yeah no 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 about <laughs> the disease about the poison so people yeah so when people would type in now oh, I want to know about anthrax it went to their web page and was like hey we're the band anthrax and this is what anthrax really is so it gave them a whole whole thing on there and they issued a press release in 2001 joking that the band's name would be changed to something more friendly like basketful of puppies yes good yeah. marketing move 
Yes, or abbreviated the, to Buppies. Yes. You've got mail. In 2001, the New York Steel 9-11 benefit concert, they actually played at that, and they took the stage in uh, work suits that each read, we're not changing our name. That's right. <laughs> I forgot yeah. about that. Uh, so, I, I uh, that, actually, that actually. I do. Yeah. So, I mean, they, but the thing is, like, during all the stuff that happened with that, the um, NYPD and the uh, New York Fire Department backed them up on it and said that by changing their name would send the wrong message. Eventually, in 2005, they reunited with Belladonna and did a classic lineup tour of Scott Ian, Charlie Binat, uh, Dan Spitz, Joy Belladonna, and Frank Bello, and they played the Among the Living album in its entirety and were expected to record in the new album after that, but uh, Belladonna had not agreed to joining them. And every time I say Belladonna, I think of somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> like, that would be a crazy-ass show. Um, <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> but not, yeah, but not totally out of the realm of possible. Uh, as of right now, 2012, Worship Music was finally released. In Ju- June of that year, they released Fight Until You Can't and uh, gave it away for free. And in 2013, they announced that Rob Cagliano had left the band and Jonathan Donayas of Shadows Fall would Lee would um, be the lead guitarist on tour. All righty. All right. That's what she said. And yeah. the cult. Uh, one way to describe the cult, lots of we broke up back on back together. Oh, broke up again. Now we're going to have another reunion. Broke up again. Now we're going to make another album. They've been touring on it's and like, off. All these bands all do the same shit. Like it's, it's it's like, does anybody just like stay together forever other than the well, Rolling you know Stones? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. The Rolling Stones stay together, but it seems like they, the, all these bands get together. They break up because of one thing. They get back together because they forgot what that one thing was. Because <laughs> they did enough drugs <laughs> to forget what happened. <laughs> and then they come back and like, wait, this is why I hate yeah. you. Oh yeah. This was it. <laughs> so, but they're still, I mean, they're after all the, you know, doing some tours all over the place, breaking up, coming back again. I mean, they're still around in 2012. They were, on uh, Jimmy Kimmel Live, you know. So in 2013, they're releasing another album and haven't seen much since then. The call, now I'm going fine. to bed. <laughs> Still got nothing. Nothing, huh? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anything about them now. I just like Firewoman. Fire! So. When that song comes on the radio, I, I turn up the radio. And he sings it really loud in his car. I do. I Not. jam out. So, Patrick, Avenge Sevenfold. Yes, Pat actually picked a metal band. I shimmer. Oh, that was mean. Um, yeah, um, I had actually never heard of this band before, and um, I did a Google search on current metal bands, and this was the one that um, kind of piqued my interest the most, so I looked them up and read about them and listened to a lot of their stuff, and I really like them, so I'm going to be getting some of their stuff through the old iTunes and putting it on my iPad and being an iClone. But yeah, okay, so these guys, um, sorry. <laughs> We're like, um, where are we going with this? Yeah, I don't know. I like them, is my point. Um, I'm glad that we did this show simply for the reason it introduced me to these guys. So they were formed in the uh, 2000s. Uh, They were all still in high school together, actually, um, in Huntington Beach. They they all went to high school together, actually, and um, made made their their official debut in July of 2001 um, with their debut album, Sounding the Seventh Trumpet. 
Um, they've released, I think, uh, what is it, four or five albums since then. Um, and they got, they've won all kinds of awards like MTV, uh, VMA for Best New Artist and things like that. So um, they're really actually uh, still growing in popularity. And when was it? Um, in 2009, I think, um, is what I read. Uh, their drummer, uh, Jimmy Sullivan, who is known as The Rev, was found uh, dead in his apartment at only 28 years of age. Um, he basically, he uh, he overdosed on Oxycontin and alcohol and Valium and Oxycodone um, and basically just kind of did the, dr- the, the drug-induced rock star death and they had to replace him uh, with a guy named Mike Portnoy. Um, I love the names of these guys too, by the way. Um, it's M. Shadows, Zacky Vengeance, Sinister Gates, Johnny Christ, and well, it was The Rev, but now it's Mike Portnoy. Um, they, they did music for, they're doing a lot of music for um, for the Call of Duty soundtracks, and they just released an album last year called Hail to the King. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. Um, I mean, I really, I, I am glad I got to listen to these guys because I really like their stuff, so I'm going to be getting their music very soon. All right, Josh, Breaking Benjamin. Oh, uh, hang on. I, I, want, I want to talk a little bit about Avenged Sevenfold first because uh, oh, okay. I was uh, introduced to them by uh, a, a video game series, actually. Uh, I don't know if you saw my request for you to queue up a particular song in the chat, um, but it was the track from Guitar Hero 2 or Guitar Hero three uh their track beast and harlot nope i missed that quote yeah i was trying to stall frantically before we moved on because uh <laughs> you know you know you can always dance a jig that that, that gets him every time yeah that's awesome radio i'm just <laughs> over here dancing he dances for nickels well you gotta there you go Yeah, that's great. And they can go, yeah, they can go from just that awesome, like almost operatic opening to the really hard guitars to incredibly melodic uh, vocals. Yeah, that's that's. I think that's what I like about them. Is is, that's a good word for them, operatic. Speaking of vocals, I have a question for you. Have you noticed a change in in vocals between metal then metal now? It seems like when we were listening to metal back in the '90s and the '80s, it seemed to see the how high they could sing. Well, I right. would almost say that metal has fractured and splintered and factioned, and then the factions have flat, uh, have moved in a bunch of different places. Where Much it's like kind of yeah, it's kind of yes. hard to just say metal anymore because you've got like screamo and then death metal and all sorts of horrorcore. Well, I just seem like like in general, it seems like right now it's there's that you know it went from getting hitting those high falsettos and those high notes back when we were initially metal rolled out to now it's all the really Deep, uh, throaty, like uh, growling. Depends on where you're. Like where Pantera. You're because of yeah. the, the split up of everything, you know, it depends on where you're, which direction you're going. That, by the way, is why I don't like Pantera because I really, really like Pantera's music. But as soon as the, the singing starts, I'm out. Hmm. Yeah. Even Cemetery like Gates. I would like it. I would like it's Pantera with a different lead singer. <gasps> you can't take Phil Anselmo out of Pantera, otherwise it's not Pantera. Well, it's not Pantera anyway with Dimebag Daryl dead, but right. God rest his soul, one of the best metal bands to come out of the past 
Wow. Uh, that's shocking. Your face is shocking. You're a dummy, stupid head. This is where we've come. <laughs> this is where we've been, dude. Yeah. Okay. Josh. So moving on, I've been giving Pat all this crap about not picking actual metal. And then I go to Breaking Benjamin, which is my dodgiest choice. <laughs> um, Breaking Benjamin, I actually discovered through Pandora uh, when I took a search based on one of my favorite, personal favorite bands that I've talked about on the show a couple of times already, uh, Finnish rock band Poets of the Fall. Uh, sometimes when you put in an obscure band on Pandora, you'll get a couple tracks from your favorite band and then you'll get some interesting stuff. For me, the most interesting stuff was alternative metal band Breaking Benjamin. Uh, they've got a very kind of dark, almost gothy sound going on. Hard guitars. Uh, they almost remind me a little bit of grunge or maybe post-grunge, uh, like later Stone Temple Pilots, uh, where I could have imagined uh, I'm just blanking here uh, on all the big grunge acts uh, where I could have imagined Alice maybe Alice in Chains going if they had continued on with their original lineup and gotten a little heavier sound. Uh, they were founded in like the late 90s, early 2000s, like a lot of the bands were talking about. Uh, they got signed out with Hollywood Records and got kind of a raw deal. They wanted their original recordings to be presented one way. They had their picks for their singles and the record company pretty much screwed them. They pushed forward some uh, tracks that were not necessarily representative of their sound. And it took uh, quite some time for the band to catch on. Uh, most of the breakout hits have been either coming out through video games or being uh, established at, in uh, TV or closing credits for movies or movie soundtracks. Uh, they did Saturate in 2002, We Are Not Alone in 2004, Phobia in 2006, and Dear Agony in 2009. Uh, currently, the band is on a hiatus. Uh, they're working on a Greatest Hits album, but uh, they are under a cloud of legal issues. So uh, basically, uh, there's a new version of one of their songs called Blow Me Away. Uh, it went public, and uh, basically, when the band started splitting up, you had some disputes over who actually owned the rights to the song. Here we go, Josh. Oh. So, yeah, that's a little know. bit of Breaking Benjamin. That was Diary of Jane, actually. Not, uh, not Blow Me Away. Sounds too much like Crazy Town. Crazy Town? Yeah, to me. I, I'm just not familiar with Crazy Town. Yeah, they stink. <laughs> 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 Sounds like something that sucks. <laughs> well, thanks, Pat. <laughs> Leave it up to me to shit all over it. <laughs> <laughs>
uh, basically, right now, uh, one of the guys who got kicked out of the band uh, he's seeking uh, about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars and the exclusive right to the Breaking Benjamin name, which kind of makes sense because his name is Benjamin Burnley and he was <laughs> the front man. So yeah, there you go. Oh, that'll do it. Of course, Sticks was all dead as the young, and look who's not in Sticks anymore. Right. Same thing with CCR and John Fogarty. So poor Dennis DeYoung. Yeah. All right, Joel. Yes, sir. The end is in sight. <laughs> the finish line right now, if anybody's still listening. No. Um, my now choice, I it just seemed like an obvious choice to me for some reason, is Dragon Force. Now, they're kind of on that fringe between metal and, you know, kind of almost the hair thing to an extent. Now, it starts out that way when you hear this cut. Up, up until you hit about the 35-second mark, you, you're kind of like, wait a minute. But um, they're a British power metal band based in London. They're formed in 1999. Uh, they're known specifically for their fast guitar solos. They have a dual lead guitar, so they tend to get really like crazy. Um, a lot of fantasy-based lyrics, uh, some electronic sounds. So it kind of sometimes has like a video game, like a chip. I don't know if you guys are familiar with chip hop or uh, chip tunes yeah. or any of that. I mean, it's kind oh, of yeah. along those hey, lines. Yes, sir. Yeah, you want a uh, you want a sample? Yeah, yeah. Play like the first 35 seconds or so. You'll get the <laughs> you fire, sounded like a fire little pervert right there. Flame. Yeah, this is the big one for them. This was on the featured in, I believe, Guitar Hero. Yeah. I got a sample for you, little boy. Shut up. That completely sounds like the soundtrack that would be running in Jack Black's dreams. Yeah, if if you <laughs> yeah. if you're a nerd and you like metal in any form, then Dragon Force is your band. Yeah, um, that, that just like sounds like total like gamer rock right there. Like, <laughs> yeah, they they then that's that's a great way to put it. Um, as of 2014, they've released five albums, one live album, and then working on their six right now. Um, they originally were called Dragon Heart until they realized there's another band with the same name. Um, yeah, so they changed it. Same name too. In <laughs> 2002, I am the last one. Um, <laughs> uh, Herman Lee, who's one of the founders of the band, describes them as Nintendo metal, extreme power metal, Bon Jovi on speed, or Journey meets Slayer. I agree um, with all of that. <laughs> yes. People are always coming up with uh, different names for them. Through the Fire and the Flames is the what we just heard, and that's probably their biggest song that people know. Um, it's written in the key of C minor, and like most of the other Dragon Force songs is written in a very fast tempo of 200 beats per minute. Um, is that, is oh that a God. Guitar Hero song? As yeah. Well? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I've heard it. That. Okay. Um, it's like a six minute song and during the recording of it, apparently guitarist Herman Lee broke one of his strings and they kept recording and kept it in the final album version. Um, so the one that you were listening to, would I don't know if you can hear it or not. I don't, but um, 
And uh, if you're a fan of the band, there's another band that uh, I, I like called Tetrastar, and they did a cover of it all on um, old Nintendo, like a uh, Game Boys, and uh, it's all done electronic, and it's phenomenal, including all that crazy guitar speed j- jam and stuff, whatever you want to call it. I'm tired at this point. So anyway, <laughs> Me too. Dragon Force, very cool. If you're into music that fits into that little clip you heard, then and you like fantasy nerdy stuff, then yes, the end. All right. Okay. Uh, let's see. Bullet. I did. Uh, bullet for my. Bullet for my Valentine's. Damn. All right. The only reason I chose Bullet for my Valentine's because I typed in like Pat typed in current metal bands and Bullet for my Valentine's sounded like a cool name. Now, Pat, you know how you were commenting about the cool names that your band had for Avenged Sevenfold? Yes. Okay. The members are Matthew, Matt, Tuck, Michael, Padge, Paget, Michael, Moose, Thomas, <laughs> and Jason J. James. <laughs> so these are guys just from Minnesota. Apple is just what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> they're from they're from Wales. <laughs> no, they're not. Hey. <laughs> Those are insurance salesmen. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. Well, their nicknames give you an idea of what their music is like. <laughs> I wow. listened to Bullet for My Valentine on the way to work this week. Uh, they've had uh, The Poison, Scream Aim Fire, Fever, Temper Temper, and they're doing a fifth studio album that's coming out. Uh, take mediocre guitars <laughs> and uh, overdone vo- uh, vocals and put it together with seventh grade creative writing poetry. So, there you go. So you're saying that the last good thing they wrote was their name? <laughs> Pretty much. Wow. Are you going to play a, at least a clip for us? us to, yeah, to, I was going to uh, say, I, I kind of yeah. like these guys. I've, I've, <laughs> my my nephew uh, is a big fan, and I they, they did I, another Guitar Hero song too, didn't they? I or, couldn't. I'm not familiar I, with them at all, so I have nothing to add. We really all. need to play. We've played clip of everybody else hang on, hang, yeah i know hang on i'm i'm okay i was like you just play, the one that I, I, play the one i sent you the link for uh, no <laughs> I don't know i'll distract them by dancing a jig <laughs> hey dance hey, a jig what, here we go hey. this is this is a song called fever put some right? sawdust down josh Metal, but it's there's it's it's only I don't hate it, but it's It, yeah, it, it, it's. I mean, it's what's that? It, it had a twin, a twinge there for a moment of Zach Wilde's guitar with, yeah, yeah. like uh, Stephen Piercy from Rat singing or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's that's metal, it's, it's, but it it's, sounds like a very immature. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. Yeah, a very immature. Uh, what what's his face from Rat? I can't think. Yeah, Stephen Piercy. Thank you, the lead singer. Yeah, weed, weed is a hell of a drug. My, it, it went away then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I don't know. I listened to a bunch of their album, bunch of their songs, and I there. There was nothing that I could pick out about being like unique. Like, oh, this is cool because it's a little bit, you know, this is a little bit more different than like you said, the um, Avenged Sevenfold. It's got that orchestraic, orchestral, really orchestral, 
type feel to yeah, it. I mean, think about what, what one of our first comments was, was like, oh, that sounds like so-and-so and that sounds like so-and-so. It's like they're just carbon copies of people we like, but there's not really anything original to their sound. Sure. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it, the you got a little taste of the lyrics in there. You know, it's, it's like one of those things where you, you can technically duplicate, you know, someone like an Eddie Van Halen, person, you know, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to sound as good as him because you just don't right. have that extra whatever, you know. Yeah, but they've, they've won awards. They won in 2004 the Welsh Music Award you know, for Best Newcomer. I mean, I, I, hate to, I hate to give them this curse, but I mean, it's kind of like a nickelback where, yes, technically you are proficient, but you know what? Nobody cares. There's no soul. Yeah. You can be. Yeah, that's exa- that's it right yeah. there. They're playing, It's. I think they're playing what they think metal should sound like, and technically it does. That is metal. I will give you that, but they're not. It's two by the numbers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've got the you've got the drum beat going. You've got the guitars going. You've got these. Everyone's doing exactly what they should be doing, but they're not putting any of themselves into it. That's why I personally, I'd rather have somebody that can't maybe sing as well as somebody else or play guitar as well as somebody else or is a little jangly or a little whatever and have some soul behind it. And I don't mean like soul music, but just have something there, a reason to be right to do what they do rather than just being proficient, playing guitar really fast and really well and just not have anything there to relate to. By the way, they did a song for a guitar hero called Scream, Aim, Fire. Anybody knows that? Yeah, one? that was that. Nope. I I probably yeah heard exactly. It. I'd probably recognize it from the game. Hearts but. burst into fire. Also, it looks like was another one on Guitar Hero Three. Okay. Josh, you said you like these guys. Yeah, I do. I mean, I'm not a huge fan, but uh, they're on my list of things I'd listen again uh, when it comes to modern metal. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other bands that uh, are on that rotation because I am I'm not as much of a metalhead as I was in the '80s, but I still listen to quite a bit of new stuff. Uh, uh, like a Beyond Temptation is another one. I think that's the name. Uh, no, that's not right. I'm so well prepared for this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of being well prepared, I'm going to tell a story in a minute. So I'm deadly serious, Mike, about queuing up that stupid song I put in this. Oh, I thought that was a Which, joke. No, it did. Because I have it's an actual story to go with it. It's in the Facebook chat. A, don't don't say what it is, I don't think. No, don't. Can we please use the same chat? <laughs> There it is. Chat your face. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Hey, Josh, are you ready? Oh, no, not at all. Keep going. <laughs> I'll just that's go ahead and tell this story then. So that's Dumba and Rancid. This is okay. this isn't this is a thing. That, this is a true story. I, when I was DJing um, in a nightclub down in ta- downtown Chicago, some guy came up and he paid me. He paid me fifty bucks to play some metal songs because normally it was just nothing but like rock and roll and dance songs and things like that down there. Well, you know, I was like, oh, all right, fifty bucks. You know, okay. So I played a stretch of some metal songs that even I didn't know. I just you know look, you know, I just grabbed whatever albums I could and started playing some. And then right in the middle of like four or five different metal songs, I played this song which is from Space Ghost Coast to Coast and all the guys that were doing the metal you know that, that wanted the metal music that put their money together were, were doing a little mosh pit and during this song they kept going because it just sounded like any other metal song I was playing <laughs> from. and it's actually just a funny joke song done by Space from the from Space Ghost sung by Brack I got to go to YouTube man mm-hmm. yeah.
laughing and kicking their heads and their hair everywhere it was hysterical. I was. I think dying. that's off of Saint Anger, actually. <laughs> you know what you get when you type in the Metalhead song in Spotify? Boy. You get something called the Sex Song. White Metalhead can't play reggae mix. <laughs> Sounds classic. Okay, did you figure it out, Josh? Yeah, hang I, on. I, we're we're listening to the playlist. <laughs> That is not what I expected. <laughs> not what anybody expected. That, that song definitely has puss puss. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. That is... <laughs> this is the most exposure that guy's got. Okay, 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 okay. Why this? If oh, stop, stop. Listen for just a second. If this was college, imagine right now. This is 1994. We're all sitting in a in a room. This we hear this song. Somebody, one of us, brings it home, and we're like, "Dude, you got to check this out." We listen to this song. I have a feeling all four of us would have said, "Dude, I challenge you to listen to this song for the next two hours," <laughs> and we would do it. We would all four sit and listen to that song as long as we could physically stand. What the yeah, one yeah, just is a challenge. We slightly snapped and just turned it off. And we would have done it out of sheer spite because we wouldn't have given up because the other one would be like, ah, I'm not giving up. I'm not. <laughs> no, we would. If that happened, we would still be sitting there <laughs> no. listening to this because none of us. I'm saying, I think we are the people that, you know, driving 70 miles an hour down the freeway, screaming at each other out of our car windows because we don't want to stop playing the stupid game we're playing. Yep. True. Anyway, so, I, I found the uh, we, you would say we had an obsession. No, don't you start. We are not starting that. <laughs> I will hang up. <laughs> uh, I found my modern metal playlist, and it's Within Temptation, Three Days Grace, Breaking Benjamin, uh, Five Finger Death Punch, uh, Rise, Seether. I, I almost picked Five Finger Death Punch just based on that name. Wow, that's quite a selection. Shut your hole. I'm not doing it, Mike. Shut your face hole. It's not happening. We are too far apart from each other to be driving around doing that. Uh, even Stone Sour, I'd put in that same. Ca- and this is all in the same category of like hard rock alternative metal post grunge. Uh, that's yeah, you could debate on most of these bands aside from Five Finger Death Punch, who are very, very clearly metal. But the other bands on that list, whether they're actually metal or not, or whether they're really more hard rock with some metal influence. So, all right. They're doing an impersonation. Shut up, Pat. I'm serious, dude. You just got done doing a road trip. We're not doing another one. No, I uh, no, I've been down that road. Yeah, I refuse. <laughs> You're triggering Joel's obsession. I refuse to have any participation. <laughs> I'm not going to be part of the problem. I will be part of the solution. <laughs> See, folks, this is really how we are. This is how things start. We got to be careful what music we play. We'll get some litigation. Uh, And you know what? what? what Now I'm just sitting here in anticipation of the next one. What are we doing next week? All right. Next week, we are celebration. Scorsese. (laughs) Scorsese celebration. Yes. So we're doing the Scorsese celebration, uh, watching a bunch of Scorsese, going on to IMDb and discovering what he's done. And from Goodfellas up until now. Fuck a lot. You're going to love next week. (laughs) (laughs) So, but if you have other ideas for us, things for us to do, definitely get in touch with us at 40go14 at Twitter or 40go14 at gmail.com on Facebook. Look for us at 40going14708. Now rap at 708. I like a a dua da cha. (laughs) 
Also known <laughs> as 708. Or it's 708-669-9727. And if you want to listen to other shows, like maybe go back and listen to the Hair Metal Show, you can find us on TalkShoe, on Stitcher, on iTunes, Blueberry. Uh, you can also go to our webpage, 40go14.com, and stream us or there. Or find and, us on, at musingsofageek.com. Uh, we're part of the Musings yes. of a Geek podcast network. And congratulations yeah. if you stuck around for this whole show. It was definitely a war of attrition. <laughs> Fuck you guys. <laughs> uh, I don't know, Pat. It must have taken a lot of determination. <laughs> All right, folks. Good night. I, I'm not playing the goddamn Cajun Man game all night. <laughs> yeah, you are. Let's play a rousing game of Let's Keep Josh Awake. <laughs> yeah, but Josh can just hang yeah, up, it's man. Yeah, not college anymore, damn it. Not, not as fun because you have you don't have to kick us out of your room. Yeah. All right. Uh, I guess that's it. Yeah, thanks for sticking around, folks. Good night. Good night. Now leading the world of Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Stay geeky, my friends. And uh, there's rumor that there's going to be a new album scheduled to be released Mike, sometime this year. Mike, what? Will you play Michael McDonald for yourself, please? <laughs> <laughs>